responded to our trauma differently. Danny became self-sufficient. Adrian got into self-help. Marilyn married up and buried her head in the sand. Heather got high. Julia went activist. Me, I learned how to protect myself. Well, greetings and welcome to the We Read Books podcast, folks. Here we read books and then we talk about them for mostly our entertainment, but we really hope that you're also enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, blessings all around. Right. Uh, sorry, I'm hydrating. I feel like I haven't drank enough water today. Me either. It's probably, I mean, probably not true. Probably drink like 40 gallons, but <laughs> it's a weird phenomena whenever you drink a shit ton of water mm-hmm. and then you just feel so thirsty. What is that about? You and Emily both are just such water drinkers. I... <laughs> You would feel like a desert if you drank <laughs> as much water as I drink. And it, it's probably the source of several of my problems, but I'm just not thirsty very often. Yeah. Or, you know, water just, my brain's like, ugh, so boring. But I don't like those water flavorants either because they have a weird taste mm-hmm. or they have like those fake sugars and then those give me a migraine. So, yeah. But I have to like mentally tell myself, Oh, girl, you haven't drank any water today, and it's 11 a.m. Get over there and drink some water. By 11 a.m., I have consumed so many liquids, it's not even funny. Like, half a pot of coffee, easy, and probably one whole, like, tumbler, like 32 ounces. I think my brain just gets so hyper-focused that after I feed my gurgling hungry belly because I <laughs> pop my eyes open hungry. Uh, other than that, my body is like, okay, focus, 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 focus. But yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's not usually, you know, usually I drink something before 11 a.m., but there are days where all I've had are coffee and then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, H2O would probably be beneficial as well. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, uh, the well-hydrated woman across from me, that is mad. <laughs> And our dehydrated woman <laughs> is wet. Just call me the Sahara Desert. <laughs> Sahara. Hey, Sahara. That's what I meant. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Oh, we have some social channels that you can visit. Instagram and TikTok are both 
at we read books pod and our email is we read books pod two three at gmail.com woohoo yay i was trying to think what the because <laughs> we've been watching parks and rec and it's that episode where they go on that radio show. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Ira. <and> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of one of their sound effects that they make, but I didn't think of it fast enough. But they're also yeah. probably all wildly inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That's, those are really, like, funny episodes when they go on that radio show. Any of the episodes where they're on the show yeah. is really funny. Right. But, yeah, I was like, ooh, maybe I could think of a good sound bite from there. And then I was like, ooh. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, they're all like fart noises. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, today we are talking about the Final Girl Support Group, mm-hmm. written by Grady Hendrix. That's right. Do you think that's his real last name? You know, I don't know. And I did read the little blurb in the back, but I don't remember. I mean, normally they don't say, hey, this is my pen name. (laughs) 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 Right. But it's possible, though it does sound like it was made to sound cool. So you never know. Some people are lucky. Some people people are lucky. Whenever I encounter a last name with an X in it, Mm -hmm. I feel like it might not be their real last name. (laughs) It's just not common enough for you. No. Like, outside of Mandarin Chinese Mm -hmm. and native Chinese surnames have X's, but they, like, have a totally different function in the Chinese language, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, not very many Caucasian names end in X. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) So. I mean, the only Hendrix I know is Jimi Hendrix, so... (laughs) Yeah, and I think I don't think that was his real name. We're just yeah. You can just make names up. Totally. I mean, I would write under a pen name too. Why didn't we do that for the podcast? Oh my God, we, we could have made up our own names. We could have sounded even cooler than we already do. <laughs> <laughs> if I was gonna make up, if I was gonna choose a stage name, what mm-hmm. would it be? What would I choose? I don't know. It would not be anything like outrageous yeah I'd pick like amelia or genevieve i don't know <laughs> francesca francesca we i actually knew someone named francesca from italy nice she um was a foreign exchange student who stayed with my aunt mary mm-hmm. while i was a senior in high school so she came to like christmas and stuff and she was very nice that's awesome yeah yeah her being from italy like a name like francesca makes, makes sense, sense you know yeah not to say that you can't be born in america named francesca it's just uncommon or if you are named that then you're automatically gonna have like a nickname like frankie or something yeah you know right no one's gonna take the full effort to call you francesca right but if you're from italy your name is francesca yeah like obviously (laughs) (laughs) no she's very cool and i think my aunt mary and my cousin Anna, who's like two years older than me, I think, mm-hmm. uh, still stay in contact with her and have gone and visited her in Italy. That's so. super cool. Super cool, yeah. Shout out to Francesco. I wish I would have been a foreign exchange student. Yeah. Mom. God. I'd say it'd be cool to have a pen pal, but this book kind of makes you ooh, ooh. maybe think twice. <laughs> 
Yeah. Mm, I think I did have a pen pal from Brazil, maybe? That's I think pretty it was like, neat. F- like third or fourth grade, probably, but it was through school, so. That's pretty cool. They didn't have, like, my home address or anything. It's pretty terrible. My brain went, were your letters really going to Brazil, or <laughs> were they just... <laughs> At the school. Yeah. <laughs> at the other third grade class. Yeah. <laughs> it's a conspiracy theory. No, I'm sure that, I'm sure your pen pal was real. And, I mean, when they talked okay. about their life, surely they were being genuine. It wasn't some Hopefully. kid like, I mean, I don't know. Today we have an assignment, you know, like three doors <laughs> down from yours. <laughs> You're going to write as if you live in Brazil. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember nothing about the pen pal, to be frank, but... I know I, ha- I had one, and I'm pretty sure they were Brazilian. I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> I did not mean to just ruin that. <laughs> when you're eight years old, you just kind of, right? you know, believe shit. Or maybe I made it up. Maybe I'm crazy. Just Shout like out to Mads Pen Pal <laughs> from Brazil. We believe in you. <laughs> you are real. You are real. Okay. So our author is Grady Hendrix, as we've said. This novel is pretty new mm-hmm. it was published july 13th 2021 i'm trying to remember is it the newest or most recent or no the love match the love match that's right this year wow i think we when we recorded it since we pre-recorded so many mm-hmm. um when we pre-recorded that there weren't even really reviews on goodreads yet we we grabbed that one hot off the presses yeah we did uh, but I think this is a close second. Nice. Um, what's funny is whenever I was, obviously we're going to talk about this being an adaptation later, but I think this was picked up mm-hmm. in like at the end of July 2021 by HBO to be adapted. And that's crazy to me because we couldn't find how many copies were sold. So I don't, and when I saw it, I didn't, you know, I have no concept of like how popular it is i just thought it was like ooh, that that book sounds cool mm-hmm. especially for like my movie interests and stuff so i was like that seems neat but you know normally if yes it says new york times bestseller but usually you know if it's like a big deal it's got you know like five stickers on it mm-hmm. ruining the cover and yeah and all that jazz so, <laughs> but that's crazy to me that we can't find how many copies are sold but it already has a tv deal yeah so it seemed a little odd to me, to be honest. I don't know if maybe he um, pitched the idea of the show before the book was released and they were going based off manuscript and the popularity of his previous works. I would guess yes. But that still seems strange to me. Like, yeah. what, what if that particular story just didn't hit? Yeah. True. Very true. Because well, Because, like, the back of the book, you know, talks about some of the other books that he's written and stuff. Um, and there was another one that it said, ongoing talks for a television show, you know, but no date is set yet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was sort of like a, hey, if you pick this up, I've also got this one in the works. And they were like, ooh, yeah, let's grab that one too. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but I don't, I don't know anything about his other works as well. I hadn't heard of them until I read them in the back of this book. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very surprised to see 
how soon after this was released right. that it was picked up. But I did have another spot of book news on the the third book in the Legendborn series. Oh, um, do tell. But I it's the title. The title was released, and I have forgotten it because I'm terrible. <laughs> you are very far from terrible, my friend. <laughs> Legendborn Oathbound is going to be book three. Oathbound. Very appropriate. So, um, let's see if they have a release date listed here. Expected publication, January 1st, 2025. Okay. So. I mean, I got to get to reading the second one. I know. Me too. I couldn't remember if you had read it yet or not. I have not. I do have the audiobook, but I just want to read like the physical mm -hmm. book. Although I did really enjoy, I, I listened to the audiobook right before we recorded because I had already read the physical book before that. And I did like the narrator, yeah. who I assume is going to be doing the second one. You would hope but so. When I saw January 1st, I was about to be really excited. And then yeah. I was like, oh, that's a five. <laughs> so, got about a year and some change for that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about, you know, you guys know Maddie's deep dismay for Winds of Winter. <laughs> and I was watching this movie the other day, uh... Logan Lucky, and it's such a fun movie. And they have a scene where these prisoners are holding guards hostage, and one of the things that they're requesting is <laughs> Winds of Winter and is it what is the other one? A Dream of Spring. To be added to their library. <laughs> and the warden is trying to explain to them, you know, they're not out yet. And the guy is just like, that's not possible. <laughs> it's an argument back and forth, and it's so amazing. And I was just like, yes, Maddie needs to know about this. <laughs> it was a really funny video and also depressing. Because <sighs> that movie was made a few years ago, and and uh, yeah, and the problem is still current. It's, so. it's an ongoing issue. It's also really funny because whenever I was still working at your current place of employment, mm -hmm. Carl and I would have this conversation like once a week and he's like, it's never getting published. So you should just start believing that it's never <laughs> going to happen and forget about it. And I was like, Carl, no. Like at I'm first like, you just thought he was trying to mess with you and be cruel. But now I think he was, he was trying to save me from myself, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was like, Maybe this time last year, there was, like, a big news update mm -hmm. that um, he was, he had, like, 500 pages left to write or something like that, which is, like, still what he's saying. Right. And I was like, 500 pages? That's not that much. Like, he's, that means he's already gotten at least a thousand pages written. But this book, this book that we're talking about today is less than 500 pages. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, he should just release it as is and then yes. release the other 500 he hasn't as that, like a I don't know if you would consider that a novella or a short story <laughs> or whatever but just do a little like you know like yeah. Akatar did the whatever in Starlight like yeah, yeah. small book you know the little novella yeah mm -hmm. I mean just do that 500 500 pages in the series of A Song of Ice and Fire would be a novella. Right. I was going to say, I know compared to standard books, that's not a novella. But for him, it yes. feels like it is. So it's like, just give us what you got. 
And that's what people have been saying. Working. People have been saying for so long, like you already have way longer of a manuscript than your run of the mill book. Just right. publish it. Right. And get people off your back. Right. And he simply will not, which I mean, kudos to him for like standing his ground. But when does it end, my man? Like, <laughs> He's done interviews where he says that the reason why it seems like he's constantly writing and never making progress is because he writes and then he rewrites and then he rewrites and then he rewrites. At one point, you have to be decisive. You cannot. Yeah. This is where his publisher and his editors need to be like, George, you're, I'm taking your computer. I'm taking these thousand pages they're done they're final locked right i'm deleting them on your computer and they only exist on the publisher's computer these 500 pages are yours right now finish them sir are you doing a multiverse because if not you're gonna have to pick one (laughs) and for the sake of my friend i need you to do it yeah (laughs) right now george so yeah that that's if i was his publisher slash editor whom he's been working with since the 90s that's what i would do Oh, you got to get hard with them. <laughs> and they're just not doing it. <laughs> I just envisioned like the mafia coming to his door <laughs> to get hard with him. Yeah. Pouring the concrete into the mold on his feet. And yeah. they're like, are you going to release the book? Are we going to have to <laughs> take drastic measures? That's right. George. <laughs> oh, God. Or we're going to have like a misery situation. Someone's going to kidnap him. He is probably dangerously close, yeah. and we're getting into the winter months soon, so he should really, yeah. you know. He should keep his head on a swivel. There are people out there probably would do that. I'm assuming misery happens. Maybe it doesn't happen in the winter months. It just seems like a, you know, yeah, I've closed never actually, in kind of story. I've never actually seen misery or yeah. read it, but uh, I feel like it happens in the winter. I've seen it. It's been a very long time, yeah. but I've never read it. But Yeah, well... Maybe one day. One day. It'll happen. Anywho, (laughs) I guess we should tell you what the final girl support group is all about. What it's about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm assuming you wrote the one-line plot summary because I didn't. I I did, but I meant to ask you before we started how you felt about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, great. It's actually very close to what I had... Like, as I was leaving work on my way home mm-hmm. tonight, I was like, I didn't, uh, I need to do the one-line plot summary. And it was, it's actually very dangerously close to Oh, this. boy, our minds. Yeah. <laughs> They're melding. Well, would you like to so read it? Or close. would you like you? <laughs> um, well, it, you wrote it, so okay. I think you should read it. Okay. After more than a decade of meeting in a support group, six women who have endured the unthinkable are fighting for their lives again, and they won't go down without a fight. Mm. I didn't, you know. Intrigue. Yes. I didn't want to, you know, give too much yeah, away. Give away. Yeah. If any, you know, it's like the final girl support group, the name's right there, so you don't have to say final girl 20 billion times, or do you? I think it'd be better if you didn't. I agree. Grady. But uh, spoiler (laughs) alert, we like the FG combo a whole lot. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you took a shot every time the word final girl was used, you would be dead. Death immediately. By shot, I mean 
of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you drink liquor every time, yeah, you, you would just be dead for you would, sure. You would have surpassed the legal amount, the safe amount for your physical body, and you would no longer be with us. Yep. That's how many times it's used. So many. Uh, it, it becomes redundant. A little bit. And <laughs> I mean, a lot of it. <laughs> it's, I, again, a lot of these decisions should be caught in editing. Who's editing these books? Where are these edit? Like, do you go to school to be, or is there a class for editors? Yes. There is, when I was in grad school in the English department, there were like, um, three main tracks you could go down. You could do language and literature, which is what I did. You can do uh, creative writing. Mm -hmm. And you can do, like, copy editing. So, yes, in short. And we all, all of those tracks, like, take a lot of the same classes, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you are a creative writing, you do a lot more creative writing courses. And that's what your final thesis is, Mm -hmm. is, like, a creative piece so on and so forth. So I took up many classes on editing. Maybe the editors need an editor. Yeah. And I th- maybe some of these editors just either don't care about repetition that much mm-hmm. or they give the authors a little more leeway than they should because of previous success, maybe. I was thinking that, you know, like a Stephen King, like, yeah. how comfortable do you feel giving him edits? Right. You know what I mean? A, an yeah. author that's been writing for forever that has a trillion books on the market that are incredibly successful. But if I were that writer, I would want my team to tell me. It's like walking around with spinach in your teeth. Right. I don't care how famous the person is. Wouldn't Don't you think they'd rather you tell them, like, hey, you got something in your teeth, than just yeah. let them go out there with a right. giant tree of broccoli in their face? I agree. And I, I think, obviously, Grady Hendrix is not Stephen King. No. He's certainly nowhere near as prolific as your Stephen King's, your Brandon Sanderson's, your George Martin's. Like, I imagine that George Martin's editors probably are like, George, you gotta quit. Right. But at the end of the day, they're going to publish that book regardless. True. And maybe, maybe Grady's like, um, thanks for the suggestion. I like it the way it is. Yeah. Maybe. Kiss a butt. Publish and, it anyway. <laughs> yeah, and it could, it could be that situation where he's unwilling to bend to the edit. And or not. You know, I'm not, is, we're not trying to, we're not yeah. trying to, you know, dump on Grady over here, but, you and, know. Yeah, and I mean, if they have a contract for this book, then it's just maybe the editor's hands are tied. I don't know. Maybe. I just feel like <laughs> there's so many times I whenever we, like, have read these like random books yeah we're like shouldn't this be caught in the edit somebody made a choice somebody whether it was the editors or the author but somebody (laughs) made a choice it's it's like verity all over again i know it's like why isn't this in the edit yeah (laughs) yeah and we're not i'm not trying to poo-poo this book like right off the top or anything but i will say i i while reading this i couldn't help but think of my verity experience I, I agree. So sadly, 
but I guess we'll talk about our characters before we... Right. Um, <laughs> first up to bat is Lynette. Yes, Lynette. She is our protagonist. Mm-hmm. She's our POV character. This is first person POV. Maddie's favorite. <laughs> yeah. It is rarely done right. It's rarely done in an enjoyable fashion for me. Yeah. Personally. That's how I should put that. Um, So I guess kind of the overarching theme here is that these six women in the support group all experienced like horrific attacks early in their lives. And they're all kind of based around your famous slasher films. Correct. So this book is supposed to be kind of an homage to the slasher genre. Right. To the final girl, which they have defined for us at the beginning of the book. Oh, yeah. We should. Final girl. The last and sole survivor of a horror movie. Mm. See, and this is my issue with the whole final girl trope. Mm -hmm. Because that definition, the sole survival... Sole mm-hmm. survivor of a horror film, mm-hmm. period, does not say final girl must also fight the attacker and or kill the attacker. Correct. Which is the definition that the characters in the book apply to the term. Yes. I, I just think it's a way for them to be mean to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Just a way to knock each other down a peg. Or maybe specific certain people down a big. Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So. It's it's not a, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but. <laughs> yeah. One is not equaling one here. We're, we're saying one thing and then saying something else. Right. right we after. are contradicting ourselves a yes. smidge. Yes. But that, you know. You know what, Grady? We can't control what these characters think. Yeah. You do what you want to do. Um, so Lynette's story mm-hmm. is based on, oh, uh, it's Silent Night, Deadly Night. Gotcha. Which is kind of more niche, right? I I mean, I had never heard of it until you said it the other day. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's, it's definitely not one of the big popular ones that you're going to see characters of at like your Hot Topic and, and you know, mm-hmm. different I don't know. Memorabilia. Uh, what am I trying to think of the word? Like merch. Pop culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Stores and stuff. Right. So yeah, definitely Silent Night, Deadly Night. Isn't it? It's definitely, I would say, more niche. I don't know if it's considered a B horror movie or not. Um, it definitely is probably more in the maybe even cult following kind of one where... You either really loved it or you <laughs> you didn't, but it's it's definitely not one of the big big popular ones. But I think it's in the horror genre. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's kind of more well known. But yeah, if you're into those types of movies, but I would say the general public probably has not watched that one. And from the comparison to what happens to her in the book and what happens in the movie, it's I double checked with uh, someone I trust. <laughs> <laughs> And it's pretty same, same. So it's pretty horrific. So it's definitely not a movie that uh, most viewers would maybe want to sit through because it it gets pretty deeply 
violent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And then there is a sequel and <laughs> it's not funny. I haven't, I actually haven't seen Silent Night, Deadly Night or the second one, but I've seen clips of the second one where the new killer or whatever, he, in the book it even says like he gets mad at people over their trash, which is something that happens in the movie. But the guy who plays the killer is like ranting down the street and he does this, he's like, garbage day, but he does this thing with his eyebrows and it's just like they're moving independently of each other and like a mile a minute while he's saying it. And it's the funniest thing. <laughs> and Caleb and I will just randomly look at each other and, you know, swing our eyebrows about and say garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> for a good little laugh, but uh, but Silent Night, Deadly Night is actually a pretty rough watch from what I've what Gathered. I've heard. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would say that yeah, you're correct that it's probably more niche. It's definitely not mainstream. Yeah, more for your horror aficionados. Yeah, and not the general viewer. Right. Um, yeah. So that's Lynette, our POV. Um, Heather is based on Nancy from the Freddy Krueger movies yeah. films or uh Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street, Elm Street. <laughs> Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> um yeah then we have Marilyn hers what is hers gnome coming no Marilyn is Texas Chainsaw oh that's Massacre. right that's right Marilyn is yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes yes which I, I did not expect, like, because the way that they unfold everyone's stories, it's not, like, all the way up front, you know who each person is. It's, like... Fed to you at random? Yeah, it does feel very sporadic. But um, I didn't expect one of them to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because I just don't view that in the slasher genre. Oh, man. Technically? That, I would say Leatherface is one of the big popular ones. Like, he's got plushies and stuff. That's so weird to me, because I, when I think of a slasher, I think of, like, just obviously Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers mm -hmm. and Ghostface, really. Mm -hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, I think think of serial killing mm -hmm. because it makes me think of Ed Gein, who he's right. based on and cannibalism mm -hmm. that cannibalism just doesn't feel like it belongs with slashers. I don't, I I'm guessing it's the iconic mask. It probably is the mask. And I think, I don't know if the character is necessarily sympathetic. I think I don't, I don't know. Cause that's one that I do not like either. The ones that are like grotesquely violent or over sexually violent, mm -hmm. not my jam. I and, agree. uh, Texas Chainsaw Max Massacre is just not my jam. And I don't even like the sight of Leatherface. It grosses, he grosses me out. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean like he has plushies and t-shirts and lunchbox, just like you know, Jason and Freddie and Michael, yeah. which I, I do agree, though. It, it's odd that he's in that it kind should, of echelon. Yeah, but kind of giving like, which one of these is not like the other? Right, <laughs> right. I feel that way, too. but <laughs> Especially because you have like Hannibalism as its own genre, because mm -hmm. then you have like Wrong Turn, mm -hmm. The Hills Have Eyes. Correct. Um, what's the, the old one with the river? Oh, it starts with a D, I think. I th think Burt Reynolds is in it. Deliverance. Oh, oh yeah. 
So you have like actual like cannibalism genre. I feel yeah. like that's where it goes. Yeah. I don't know. But I get I mean the the leather face. I'm thinking it's just is the iconic. Yes, I was going to say I'm it. thinking it's just the image is very you recognizable. Know it yeah. So, yeah. It's one of those <laughs> semantics. Right. So now we move on to Julia. Julia is essentially your Sydney Prescott. Yep. From Scream. Although Julia is in a wheelchair. Correct. And that does not happen to Sydney. So that is a turn from, which all of these have like a variance. They're not a one-to-one comparison to their thing that they're inspired by. So that's the big difference for for Julia. But yeah. Hers is based on Scream. Yep. I love Scream. Scream is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me why to, <laughs> to explain it to you because I just can't. It's just the perfect balance of meta and comedy mixed with, yes, the, the characters are horrible and yeah. they do bad things, but they also get their comeuppets. So. Right. Actually, what's really funny is what I expected from this book is kind of like the vibe that you get when you watch like the very first scream because mm-hmm. you don't nec- it's not taking itself too seriously mm-hmm. as a film but it's still like a little scary right you right. still like don't really know who's killing and right. so there's like the camp and then the actual horror aspect but it's yeah. not over the top it's not too much it's just all the the different things it's playing with, the humor, the scare, the yeah. gore. It's all, like, right on that, for me anyway, that perfect level. Yeah. They're all balancing each other really well. Like, Wes Craven is just, he's yeah. brilliant. Which he actually did um, The Hills Have Eyes, which is, again, not not my, not my jam. Ooh, but I, I do like a lot of Wes Wes Craven's stuff and Scream is definitely my favorite. But yeah, yeah it, it's it's truly a, a perfect balance of all those different aspects. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting that kind of thing yeah. from this book as well. There's a certain self-awareness that Scream has as a movie. Like it knows what it's doing and it's right. not trying to pretend that it's not. Right. Where I didn't, that's definitely not the case with this book. Right. But that's what I was expecting. And Scream, it's funny because people... When people reference Scream, they're like, oh, yeah, it's, like, one of those meta things. But they don't really realize that it was one of the first ones to do that. Yeah. I mean, It what? was it's, the one to do that. It's, you what, know? like, 97? It, it, you know, it was a time when slasher movies were kind of dying yeah. off. And it really revitalized that. But mm-hmm. then the scary movies, quote, unquote, came out mm-hmm. and made a big joke and mockery of it. So I think a lot of people think of scream as a joke mm-hmm. and um which is just truly sad to me but but yeah it really was the movie that kind of brought back that or came did that meta self-deprecating but also self-aware also mm-hmm. still giving you what you came for kind of thing so yeah. I could go on forever and I won't <laughs> but but yes Julia's story is based on Scream but yes she did end up in a wheelchair after. Now some of these girls only had one encounter but I think Julia. most of them quote unquote had even in the book they consider their second attacks as sequels. Mm, yeah. Because not only have these women experienced, you know, being attacked by a killer and survived but they've also had movie franchises made about them. Mm-hmm. So in that respect the book is meta in that way. 
Yeah. But yeah, so on Julia's quote unquote sequel attack, she fell out a window mm-hmm. and in, in an attempt to save her roommate and she, her spine was injured. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And next we have Danny. She is our Lori Stroud. Mm-hmm. So she, her story is very like Halloween-esque. Yeah. So. Yeah. It follows the original Carpenter Halloween one and two storyline with a, with a, with a dash of the, I think it's 2018 Halloween, but. Which one is that? Halloween Forever? No, uh, I, it was just, ha- Halloween just Halloween 2018 or whatever. Cause they have the Halloween 1970. I, I'm really bad with years guys. I don't know if I've talked about this, but like years just don't stick in my brain, you know, other than like Batman 1989, just because that's why, you know, Caleb and I talk about it all the time. Um, but yeah, so, but you have your 1970s Halloween and then the new trilogy, it was just Halloween 2018 and then you had Halloween kills and then you had Halloween ends. Mm-hmm. So, but this one follows Halloween or uh, John Carpenter's Halloween one and two. Cause it references how her killer her came back. Yeah. Her brother came back while she was in the hospital. So right, right, right. it's really kind of following that, but because she lives alone and kind of isolated in the woods and, and taught herself self-defense and, and how to be good with guns and stuff like that. That kind of follows Laurie Strode's character in the new trilogy yeah. as well. It just doesn't follow through all the way. But Right. Yeah. And Halloween 2018 ignored Halloween 2 from the Carpenter series. It's all very complicated. And if you... If you Bookie nerds or not movie nerds, then I'm real sorry for for this rant. <laughs> but yeah, so she lives on a farm with her partner Michelle. Yeah. Miss Danny does. Yeah. In the book. And then we have Adrian, and she is our Friday the thirteenth lady. Yes. So she is our Mrs. Voorhees victim, basically. Yeah. Though it was not Obviously, it was I forget the original Bruce Volker. Volker, is his name? <laughs> something Volker, like that. He's Volker. Voorhees. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but hers is based on Camp Crystal Lake, but they call it Camp Red Lake. Red Lake. Yeah. Creative. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's who who Adrian's based on, and and her she seems like a cool character. I wish we would have gotten to know her more. Yeah, she but, gets. Zero page time. Yeah, which in itself is a comment on horror movies, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, yeah. she she's a victim of the Friday the 13th original killer, basically, yeah. type thing. But the twist on that one's kind of odd, too. I agree. Because it was like, oh, it was, you know... The counselors let his son die, blah, blah, blah. But then it was like, oh, they found he out he didn't have, have a son. son. And he was just like a pedophile. Right. I Yeah. It just was real weird. I was like, that twist was odd. It's like, I guess you could have just made it like his son died, not because of a counselor, but he had a mental break. So he told himself that it was to like alleviate his own personal guilt or something. But yeah, yeah. he didn't even have a son. I just thought that was weird. I thought it was weird too. It was but, very confusing. Uh but, but yeah. not much time is spent on that. So. Correct. Sadly. 
Because, again, her character and her story. Though she, she is mentioned and her her contribution is... Kind of throughout. Throughout, but yeah. still, I wish we would have gotten more of her. Yeah. Um, and then Dr. Carol, she is the therapist who kind of runs the Final Girl Support Group. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Fugate is kind of newly minted Final Girl at the yeah. beginning of this book. So Because all of our Final Girls are older like they Mm -hmm. basically their tragedies happened when the our real life movies happened is like the setting that they put their stories in so most of them are older though i have a hard time not imagining the person i'm reading as my age Mm -hmm. that was a struggle for me (laughs) and i don't know why my brain can't get around that but most of these characters are older yeah i'm i was trying to do the math which it never ends well. <laughs> but I think that Lynette is would be like right around 40. See, I thought she was the way she was described, she was like in her 50s or something. But I don't know. I can't remember if we get told. We just know that she's gray and wrinkly. They kind of mention how they're quote unquote old ladies, basically. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. But Stephanie is like 18 yeah at this point so she's survived an attack yeah she had her first run-in was with her tennis tennis teacher he was like trying to poison the team and somehow she figured it out or you know yeah ended up surviving i'm not sure what that is based on if it's based on anything at all yeah I, i i don't know and then stephanie's sequel attack was um a version of the Friday the 13th. So she was part of another character's sequel, I guess, or (laughs) attack. She was part of another person's attack. So she was a a victim a second time as well. So Mm -hmm. she's a well-established final girl, I guess. Yes. (laughs) She's been through the ringer, just like the others. And we have Christine, Chrissy, Mm -hmm. Mercer, and... Hers, I didn't get hers at all. We don't really get it described. You said it's supposed to be what, Leprechaun? I'm assuming because hers is like, they say that her real life story was turned into a movie called Gnome Coming. So if it's Gnome Coming, I'm just assuming it's Leprechaun. Yeah. They we didn't really get any detail of her attack or what happened to her. Just or, that it happened at homecoming. Yeah. Which I don't believe that the Leprechaun movie had anything to do with the dance. So then, you know, but... Definitely not the first one. Because that's the one that Jennifer Aniston is in. Correct. But, I mean, like, those get wild. So, I guess... But, again, we don't really get any other description besides that but when you add gnome into it the only other comparison i can think of is leprechaun yeah yeah because there are other horror movies based on dances Mm -hmm. right you know but again when you're throwing the name gnome in there the first thing the first comparison i come up with is is leprechaun but we didn't get any details of her attack other than that so Mm -hmm. which i thought was kind of a if you're gonna go there, go there. Yeah, weird, weird choice. Yeah, there and and her character, weird. She's bat poop crazy. Like I don't, 
Yeah. I don't even understand her character or her motivations, so. I understand very few motivations of any of the characters, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a problem. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> um, next we have Sky and Pax, and they're Dr. Carol's sons. Right. Sky is 26 and Pax is 8. Yeah. Quite so. the age That's gap. an age gap. It happens. But it does happen. 20, oh, 20 years is a pretty big one. Yeah. Nigh on 20 years. Or I guess at 18, 18 if he's 26. I couldn't remember if he's 26 or 28, but yeah. I, so thanks Either. for remembering their ages. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, that's weird. Yeah. Um, and then we have Garrett P. Cannon, and he's a police officer. He was a police officer Either way, he is the one who saves Lynette in her ordeal. Yeah, in her original ordeal. He he was the police officer that yeah. found and saved her. I think he saved her in her second ordeal as well. Correct. Yeah, so. But he, mm, he's kind of a shit guy. Yeah. So. Mm, pretty, pretty yucko, but. <laughs> yeah. I feel like our descriptions are pretty vague, like vaguer than normal, but you'll, I mean, you'll get all the information as we go through the plot yeah. points, but I, we felt it was more important for you to know who they were supposed to be based off of to yeah, it's get easier. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because when we're going through like the full plot points, it's easier to just get through the points instead of stopping and then right. detouring right. on their story. You mean like it did in the book? I don't mind if books do that sometimes, but it comes to a point where you just gotta, just, just give it to me. Stop spoon feeding me and like, give it, give me the information so we can move on. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I don't know. I agree. I, yeah, we'll get into all that, but (laughs) (laughs) let's just get into the plot points. So uh, we start the book, as we said, we're from Lynette's point of view, and she's waking up in her apartment, she's working out, she's watching the news, and on the news she sees a story about a massacre at Camp Red Lake with one survivor, Stephanie Fugate, um, and Lynette thinks that now Stephanie is a final girl, or is recognizing that she's a final girl, Mm -hmm. which she already was one, but... You know, now she's really one because she's yeah. had her second attack or whatever. Yeah. And as we said, Camp Red Lake was... Adrian's. Adrian. So not only was Adrian attacked at Camp Red Lake, but she now worked at slash owned rebranded Camp Red Lake to be more of a counseling sort of camp for people who have dealt with trauma Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Which is, I'm assuming, why Stephanie was there. Right. So then Lynette goes to group, which they have group once a month. Right. I believe. Yeah. It's definitely not once a week. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. No. They're kind of spread out. They're not, it's not like they're all living within like a 30 minute radius. Like for some of them, it's, it's a trek. Yeah. And this is in LA, by the way. Uh, The setting. Mm -hmm. So Lynette goes to group and this is basically the only time she really ever leaves her apartment. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of human or any human interaction other than with these women. Right. So she goes to group and that's where we meet most of the rest of our FGs. Marilyn, Heather, Julia, Danny, and Dr. Carol. 
Um, so they've been doing this group for like 16 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a really long time. And um, they're waiting for Adrian, and she's running late. I thought it was even longer than 16 years, but because mo- but well, they probably have only been doing the group for 16 years because but yeah, they've been dealing with their trauma mm-hmm. for obviously decades. Yeah, but yes, you're right. So, and they're just like bickering. They're all just fighting with each other. Oh, it was it was maddening. It was yeah because they weren't like. They were just bickering. Like, Heather kept talking about food and... Oh, it was narcissism on display in five from five different angles. Like, yeah. it, it was... Maybe not, not all of them, but... Yeah, it's just... Because Julia pretty much just kind of hangs back. And Danny yeah. wasn't really in the argument either. No. So, but... Lynette, Heather, and Marilyn were all just being very... I don't know, self-centered and argumentative and... Yeah, not hearing what the other one was saying. Or thinking of the other person's feelings. Yeah, and all of their phones are, like, kind of going off multiple times, and they're all ignoring them. But then, eventually, Marilyn looks at her phone, and they see that Adrian was killed. Yeah, in that Camp Red Lake attack, or... As as a result. As a result of, yeah. yeah. So... Or kind of in... In conjunction. Connection. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So that's, I mean. Because none of them could get a hold of her after right. it was put on the news and they were just kind of hoping she was okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. So Adrian is killed before, like, the book really starts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's terrible. But. Yeah, that's basically all that the beginning is. Yeah. Uh, there was a point in the group, Danny, you know, because they've been doing this, like she mm-hmm. said, for 16 years. And they're all just to a point where, like, they're not getting anything out of it. All they do is bicker. There's mm-hmm. no emotional growth. They're all just kind of plateaued at where they are. Mm-hmm. And it now it's just... They're just all sitting and stewing and whoever they are at the moment and and, and just fighting with each other. Yeah. And Danny, um, as we said, she has her partner, Michelle. Michelle is very sick. Mm-hmm. And Danny just wants to spend as much time with her as she can because Danny is dying. Or, sorry, Michelle is dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like she's at a hospice point. It could be any day. And this drive is like two hours for Danny. Right, right. So... She said, you know, she's not coming back after this, but she wanted to come in person to let them know. And Lynette just loses it. Yeah, she, like, starts crying. And and she's like, you know that we have to do this group because of Heather. Because Heather does drugs. She's a drug addict, which uh, is, if we're comparing her to Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street, to turn her into a drug addict made me pretty sad. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I... I guess I understand it if you're considering that if she was taking caffeine pills to stay awake, if we don't get a lot of detail of Heather's attack either Mm -hmm. because it's of a supernatural nature, the author didn't really fill it in. And I don't know if it's because he wasn't sure how to make it realistic or Mm -hmm. he just wanted us to fill in the blanks. But 
Either way, lazy writing. Right. But so, but yeah, Heather's a drug addict. She's super selfish. And she's the one who's like, well, someone needs to provide snacks because I'm hungry and I don't have a lot of money, which. Yeah. uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And in this, this little bickering session, she also kind of like blames Lynette for like ruining her movie deal or book deal or some sort of deal yeah i was confused about that yeah i can't remember the specifics but i don't know if lynette agreed to something and backed out or you know took an interview away from heather i i I can't really remember but heather is a super selfish character she's only looking out for number one yeah which is her and um and yeah but and all this, you know, Lynette's like, we, we have to have group otherwise, you know, what else is going to keep Heather sober? Which Heather's not, not sober. sober. <laughs> so, um, Lynette's projecting and really mm-hmm. she's the one that needs this group. Yeah, because you know? she's the one who's coping the worst. I think so. She, I mean, Heather's up there. Yeah, yeah. At the worst, just on a completely different yeah, way. Yeah, they're like just <laughs> different playing fields really because right. i mean lynette at at this point we actually see the full extent of lynette's paranoia mm-hmm. and ocd tendencies the way that you know she she takes like multiple buses that double back and go here and go there and she's riding buses for like hours yeah she does that on the way home. to the group too like yeah. she She's always checking shoes of people that are getting on the bus and seeing if anyone is familiar following her and always making note of people's face. She's always double checking, backtracking. Like she is like doing this super spy thing where, Mm -hmm. you know, she's making sure that she's not being followed. No one knows where she is, you know. So, yeah, when she leaves, she only leaves the house for this thing. Yeah. And she goes through great lengths to do so. It's that important to her that she risks you know, her in her mind, her safety to be here. Mm-hmm. But she won't admit that she's the one that really needs this, whereas yeah. everyone else in the group is basically like, uh, we don't come here for Heather, we come here for you. Yeah. And that was a kind of a big blow to her. Yeah. And she almost, like, she doesn't really accept it in this moment. No. Which is, she, I mean, it's, I don't know. But you're also getting this from Lynette's perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know immediately that she is an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Like, you cannot trust anything that's coming in because it's all from her perspective. Right. And she's clearly unwell. And she's agitated at Marilyn for, yeah. she's like, I know Marilyn is just sitting there wanting to check her phone. And she's not even engaged in the conversation anymore. Which, yeah. the conversation is, there's no meaningful conversation happening at this point. It's all yeah. bickering and arguing. Lynette's not even... Like, understanding of Danny's... I mean, Danny could even say, like, you know, but Danny didn't say, but it's just, like, you know, she needed to step back to be with Michelle. It's, like, no one even said, oh, well, after Michelle passes, would you consider coming back? Like, Mm -hmm. that wasn't even a question. It was just, like, how could you break up the group? You know that if you stop coming, then everyone else is going to stop coming, too. It's just, like, she completely flipped out on her. It's, like, instead of recognizing, like, oh, dang, I need this. And Mm -hmm. Dr. Carol, what are you doing? She, I mean... She was doing that therapist thing and asking, like, kind of passive questions. But, like, she should have stepped in and been like, okay, let's really break this down because I think we're actually having a moment here that we need to discuss. Yeah. But. 
Yeah. It, so after that bomb, that's when everyone finally checks their phones and we find out that Adrian's dead and that's a huge blow. Yeah, huge blow. Because they consider Adrian to be the, or at least Lynette does, considers Adrian to be the best of them mm-hmm. in the sense that she took over like we said, you know, the Camp Red Lake and turned it into a place for traumatized people to go and to get the help that they need and Mm -hmm. to kind of rehabilitate. And she, we kind of learn a little bit of her story, right, at this point? Or is that a little bit later? Um, I think we learn a little bit, but we, I don't think we really like fully learn her story, to be honest, because there, I think there are, like, tidbits sprinkled in about how she used um, the proceeds from, like, her movie franchise. That's and right. She, um, it's because of her that everyone uh, made sure to own the rights to their franchise instead of, right. like, someone else, the manager of production or whatever. So she's kind of set that precedent. Right. And... She used that money to buy Camp Red Lake and turn it in. And then she, like, speaks at, like, all these events and Mm -hmm. advocates for victims and... Yeah, yeah. And for women specifically. Yeah, she she worked through her trauma and came out on the other side and wanted to help others. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Like I said, Adrian sounded like an amazing character. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a shame that we didn't actually get Get to to experience her. Correct, yeah. And they do make a they do make a point to say that, you know, and this is this is a horror movie trope, especially back in the day. It's like the trope was that like a black person in a movie, African American person in a movie, they were going to be the first one to die, mm-hmm. without question. And of course, she is an African American woman, and she's the first character in our book to die. So yeah. it's and it comments on that trope, but also. Uh, falls into that trope, which has been done before. Yeah. But, um, you know, so it it did a meta thing there, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think the the problem with that is that she's, she's the only minority in the group of our final girls. Mm -hmm. And she's the only one of them that dies. Yeah. Not just the first. That's true. And so... Whether or not Grady Hendrix was trying to comment on that kind of the token minority is the first one to die trope, mm-hmm. it should serve the story in a way. Mm-hmm. And really, the only way that Adrian's death does anything is eventually she's the voice in Lynette's head. Yeah. To, like, make her make better decisions yeah after she makes a slew of horrific decisions yeah so it it just doesn't it kind of falls into the the only black character of the book dying to serve the white character kind of thing and that is a yikes yeah so intentional or not that's what is happening so that's a problem yeah, it, it's know? just weird to m- make that comment and then do it. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it and it has been done before, you know, in movies. Yeah, I, but it's a at trope. This, right. But or even, like, commenting on the trope has been done in movies right. and stuff, too. But, yeah, at this point, it's, like, either do something better than it then or yeah. I don't I don't know. It just, Subvert the trope. Yeah. Make her the final, final girl. Yeah. 
or I, you know, or you know, just or just not ignore the trope altogether. Yeah, just not comment on it if you're shitty, not going to do something with it. Like, yeah, it's a <laughs> shitty trope anyway. Yeah, so just ignore it. There's and, actually I I can't think of the name of it, um, but there is a new horror movie out that it's I believe the whole cast is black actors and it's like basically like well we can't all die first you yeah. know I think kind I of. have seen the previews for that yeah <laughs> yeah but I haven't seen it yet but yeah see like that is the way to like acknowledge and comment on a harmful trope and use it to the advantage of whatever like yeah the movie the tv show the book yeah instead of just using it Right. <laughs> right. Even the second Scream movie, the first two characters in that one are African-American actors. They are. And it, Jada Pinkett Smith is one of them. And she makes the comment about all of that. And, you, you know, talking to it just she she makes the meta comments and stuff and she ends up dying. But there are also black characters in the movie that live as well that like mm-hmm. are smart and are like. Yeah, I'm not sticking around for this and getting killed. I'm out of here. Yeah. So <laughs> they did the trope, but at the same time, like, had the character make the comment on it themselves rather than someone else in the story. And I don't know. It just, I'm not, like, I, I'm not fully equipped to discuss this topic. But yeah. it's just, at this point, if you're going to say something about it, then make it count or yeah. subvert it. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's hard for us to ta- make a definitive statement on a topic like that. But I here it's not working for me. No. We can call out whenever yeah. it is poorly done. And it is poorly done. And again, it sucks. Like, she sounds like a cool character. We didn't even get I to know. meet her. I know. It, it, yeah, it just... She would have made too much sense and all the nonsense wouldn't have happened in the book because she would have been the level-headed one that's like, yeah, no, let's not do that. And I feel like Lynette probably would have listened to her. Correct. And the other ones, when they're, like, questioning Lynette's sanity, she's just like, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she's lost and they don't know where she is. And they're like, we have to find Adrian. Her every, you know, the massacre at Camp Red. Like, where is she? Has she been taken hostage? Yeah. And we need to find her. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. You know what? It would have been cool if we would have found her, her alive at the end. Right? That would have been nice. Maybe she's ha- hiding in the panic cabin. Yeah. Because she is so terrified that someone is still at Camp Red Lake, which they are. Right. Oh, my Grady Hendrix, call me. (laughs) (laughs) She could have even, like, called them from the, you know what I mean? Like, she could have kind of been helping. I don't know. It would have been a completely different story. Totally different story. It wouldn't have been utter cuckoo nonsense. Psychosis? At some some moments, so. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah, this is. I'm so sorry. This is. This, this one is just does, difficult. I was gonna say, does this does this book review feel wild madness? Because that's kind of how some of the book felt reading. This is how I felt the entire first three fourths. Three fourths of this yes. book. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, am I losing it? Mm-hmm. I, I felt like that a little bit too. And I, we just read The Shining. And I, I didn't feel like that at all. I always felt in control when I was reading The Shining. I did too. <laughs> I did too. 
But I would put this book down and I was just like, (laughs) or because there would just be a random sentence in there that you're just like, was that an intrusive thought? Was that her? Who was she saying that about? What? what, 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 what? what? And they. Am so, I supposed to be catching this? What? what I, I, yeah. I so know. many of the like, especially like, everything before she takes Stephanie, all of that is just. I was like, is this is this real? What is I? Is this written to where we're supposed to immediately distrust Lynette and we are questioning whether everything is not real? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like that's what we're s- supposed to be experiencing. But mm-hmm. it's so unpleasant. And I feel like I Unhinged. am insane. Mm-hmm. So this is a super unenjoyable experience yeah. for me. You're on- detached, not just from reality a little bit, but from Lynette. You don't, you don't feel connected to... Lynette necessarily. Yeah. No, I don't know. Nothing that was happening in that section made any sense whatsoever. Like, none of her actions, not even when she was trying to reason it through in her mind, mm-hmm. which we are in, mm-hmm. even her reasoning didn't make sense. Yeah. And so it made me question what's going on. And I almost never have to go back and reread things. Yeah. Almost never. And I would regularly have to be like, I have to reread this because yeah. that felt really crazy. Yeah. And then I'm like, nope, that's right. Or just like I okay. said, something's like plopped in there and you're like, wait, does that fit with the rest of the pair? What does that mean? Yeah. What was that about? <laughs> <laughs> it was just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, losing group and losing Adrian really sends Lynette into a spiral full scale spiral and like maddie said like we see her go home and then we see the the lengths that she goes to to like feel okay being out in public which her feeling she's not even feeling okay in public she's in constant fear and watching her back and even she'll get lost in thought and then she's like oh crap i wasn't watching the people around me you know Mm -hmm. it's just uh, uh you just feel like full of anxiety and fear and it's Yeah, it was so strange. Yeah. And what's weird is she spends all of this energy looking at people's shoes and Mm -hmm. whatever else. And none of it seems successful. It's not helping her at all. It's not making her um, catch pattern or... Anything like no. that. It's It just is all very maybe, superfluous. Maybe normally she's better at it, but she's distracted because of Adrian's death. So it's even really more disjointed. And like I said, she gets distracted. And in, mm. like you said, it's just, there's no, it's not assisting her. Yeah. If anything, I feel like I'm getting lost. It's, yeah. Where hindering. are we now? <laughs> yeah. But, and I, so yeah, she gets home and we learn more about Adrian's story just from, I guess, Lynette kind of telling us, yeah. the reader. And they figure out, the you know, the first killer was uh, Bruce Volker. And then this recent killer was his nephew, Kristoff, who was mad because he wasn't getting royalties from the movies that were coming out. And mm-hmm. so he... Committed this this current Camp Red Lake murder and yeah, and he actually had dug up Bruce Volker's 
head and put it in Adrian's refrigerator. Gross. Which I had to reread that part because I was like, wait, did Adrian, was she keeping Volker's head just kind of like as a, I know he's dead kind of thing? Yeah. But I, so I had to reread that and I was like, oh no, okay, Kristoff yeah. put it in her fridge to shock her, to catch her off guard, to yeah. kill her. But yeah. Which was kind of wild. That is wild. I mean, it is no easy feat to just dig six feet into the ground and open a coffin yeah. to get their skull. Right. That is literally just bones. Yeah. At this point. Which Jason Voorhees did keep his mother's dead body slash head, mm-hmm. you know, because got lopped off. But, uh... Yeah, so I, the, the nephew thing and then, yeah, the Volker guy not even having a son, mm-hmm. like, that was kind of odd. Super odd. But after we kind of get that little story wrap up, then Lynette's home and we're in her apartment and, like, we learn about, she has this, she's built this cage inside her front door that you, like, enter through the front door, which I imagine has, like, a million locks on it anyway, and then she enters this, like, mesh cage that's supposed to be whatever proof, like, anything, you know? And then she has to, like, put in a certain code to, like, get out of the cage into her apartment. Yeah. Which, I mean, then it turns your apartment into a cage, because mm-hmm. then you have to get in the cage to get out of it. And, I mean, it just seems very complicated. Like, what if you got yourself trapped in that cage? Yeah. Yikes. So that was not great. But uh, she, so we're in her apartment now and she, you know, she's got all the blinds closed and, but you know, all that jazz. But we meet her plant, Fine, whose full name is Final Plant. (laughs) Because. Oh my God. Did you know that they're final girls? So this is the final plant and she's, she's nicknamed it Fine. (laughs) This whole subplot with the plant is so unnecessary. It, it was a little odd. I mean, we already know the level of Lynette's unwellness. And the lengths she's gone to to keep herself separate from people. Yeah, that all has stacked up and made us all feel her psychosis. Very isolated. And then... You bring in this plant that she talks to and then talks back to herself in the voice of this plant. (laughs) Yeah. And you've lost me, bud. This was completely irrelevant and unnecessary. And it was very concerning when she was more concerned for the plant's welfare than than a person. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, that, that, that made me go, really, girl? Girl. Come on. (laughs) I mean, I understand that he wanted to give her something Mm -hmm. that she had, like, a connection with and was kind of responsible for keeping alive. Right. But let's give her a cat. Yeah. Well, it it made me think, so there's that Sandra Bullock movie, 28 Days, not 28 Days Later, not the zombie movie. movie. That is an excellent (laughs) zombie movie. That actually made me scared of zombies. Maybe that the best one they're fast they're yeah the fast ones they're fast and smart and uh, no no they're very like it's like zombies meet the crazies yeah that's the 28 days later they're so fast 
Yeah, those are the those are not the ones that I want to encounter in our apocalypse. I want the slow dumb ones. Yep, they better be. I want the, the Walking Dead ones and the dumbest. Yeah, if I have if I have to outrun one, I'm dead. One hundred percent. Yeah, but <laughs> I took twenty eight <laughs> weeks, <laughs> which is like uh, it's about rehabilitation. Um, I I'm a, I think it's like drugs or alcohol or whatever, but it's a rehabilitation center thing. And one of the things that the counselors do is, you know, to help the people, like, reestablish their life and be ready to, like, take care of, you know, get themselves ready to be able to be in a relationship. It's like they kind of have, like, these steps. So it's sort of like, okay, you got to be able to keep a plant alive. And then if you can keep a plant alive, then you next step is to, like, get a fish or something. And you keep the fish alive. And then maybe you can, like, graduate to a dog or whatever and, like, move your way up mm-hmm. to, like, being able to care for yourself and something else and then maybe you're ready for a relationship down the road kind of thing you know these steps you take so that's what kind of made me think of that you know like she's still on step one trying to keep this plant alive yeah and she goes through this description of like a time that the plant got really sick it got like mites or something and she like stayed up all night for we like over a week or something was like cleaning the leaves and doing all this stuff and like you know trying to By the end of the book, I feel like the plant is a, I can't think of words tonight, but (laughs) it's meant to be like a representation of herself, right? It's Mm -hmm. like she's keeping herself contained in this little pot and her Mm -hmm. roots are just like, just stifled and curled up, you know? So it's like, you know, she, this is her like trying to learn to care for herself maybe or something but mm-hmm. I, I don't know but she just yeah the her, the attachment with the plant it just it was it was it yeah. was something now I totally get naming the plant I mean I have a plant that I have named but we also like name everything but I don't talk to my plant and I also am not under any delusions that it is talking to me mm-hmm. I just think that <laughs> either have the plant be there and representing what it's supposed to represent. Right. And eliminate the whole talking thing. Right. Or give her an animal of sorts. Right. Maybe even just a fish. Like, yeah. to me, cats are pretty self-sufficient. They don't take a lot of care or really attention that much. Mm-hmm. So, in this situation... And it's not a situation where you have to, like, walk your cat. I mean, right. I know people do, but... Right. Like, but, but it makes more sense to give emotional intelligence to a living yes. animal than to a plant. Yeah, because cats are sentient and you they have personalities and mm-hmm. you can have an actual bond with a cat. Yeah. So. This when, isn't an Audrey 2 plant, you know. Right. <laughs> from Little Shop of Horrors. Exactly. <laughs> so it just make more sense for fine yeah. to be a cat. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Wow. We've been talking for a while and we're barely into this book. We have a lot of feelings. We do. (laughs) And I had actually considered whenever I started writing, not doing plot points, Mm -hmm. but doing just like certain things from the book that we wanted to talk about. (laughs) Because I was like, a lot of this plot is not 
super relevant right to but a lot of it story is part of the problem too but it's of all not enjoy uh, not fully enjoying it yeah or or, or yeah. attributes to the enjoyment or not enjoyment of it yeah kind of thing so yeah so it's like in there and I, yeah i was just like do i do don't i right one of the book podcasts that I really love is the two British guys, Smug Book Club, mm-hmm. and on books that they both dislike, instead of doing plot yeah. points, they'll do like the Dirty Dozen, the top <laughs> 12 things they disliked most. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Which is always funny. Yeah. This is obviously much less linear, but like I said, it, we're just giving you a taste of the lunacy that we experienced while <laughs> reading. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was... Full lunacy, but, uh, yeah. So we're in the apartment and, uh, someone knocks on Lynette's door, which is rare because Lynette has not given anyone, well, not anyone, but she doesn't give out her address. Mm -hmm. No one's supposed to know where she lives. She, I mean, not even the final girls or Dr. Carol, like, no, but she did at one point give Julia her address in emergencies only. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's trying to call her, or at least Julia's trying to call her, and she's not answering the phone. So Julia shows up at her house, and Lynette ignores her. She's like, she's not supposed to, she was not supposed to break the seal on that envelope. Mm -hmm. Unless it's an emergency, what is she doing here? I'm not answering. Yeah. She's upset. Well, and of course she has, like, cameras and stuff, so she can see out there. Mm -hmm. Then Julia comes to the door again, but she's not alone. Julia's killer, the ghost, is with her. And he's basically like, open the door or I'm going to kill her right now. Yeah. While Lynette's like, you know, final girl's got to take care of final girls. I got to open the door. Yeah. So she opens the door, but they're in the cage. And (laughs) she starts shooting at the guy in the cage. And it's this whole ruckus, which if it was real, you know, it... Did the bullets not, the bullets didn't even go through the cage, unfortunately. Right. So even if it was real, that would have been uh, bad news bears because she wouldn't have saved anyone. And, but turns out, oh, it wasn't really even Julia's killer back for revenge. It was just this reporter guy. Yep. Are you, that made me mad. I was like, are you absolutely kidding me? Like, you know how wildly untrusting this woman is. Mm-hmm. You showed up at her house, and not only that, but you pretended like you were under the attack of yeah. your killer. Yeah. You've lost your mind. Yeah. I think I wrote on my little post-it note, like, WTF. Like, I was like, are you serious? I know. Right now. <laughs> That's a, yeah, super shit thing to do. Yeah. And, and the emergency was that someone's writing a book about Final Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You couldn't text her that so she could read that and go, oh, wow, yeah, I better call her back. Right. Exactly. Oh, no, you just showed up and played this weirdly dangerous game. Yeah, because I feel like they've known each other for so long that Julia had to have known that Lynette's first response would be to fire at random. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Hey, it's a killer. I'm a kill him. <laughs> like, yeah, I just feel like Julia should have assumed that would be her reaction. Yeah. Because clearly from what we know of Lynette, she's takes her gun with her everywhere. Uh-huh. And clearly is goes not through great lengths to not be without a weapon. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or to be known where she lives or right. tracked or anything. So, yikes. Yeah. So that wasn't a, that wasn't a good decision. Yeah. It's super rude. But, uh, yeah, they're... Apparently, someone is writing a book about their group. And Christoph Volker knew about mm-hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. And Julia thinks it's Heather. Yeah. Basically. Because, you know, Heather's always down on her look, luck looking for a book. And she's so. looking always looking for that deal. Right. Right. So, at this point... The reporter, his name's Russell Thorne, whatever. Um, he looks out the window and sees cops all over the street, mm-hmm. which I didn't really understand why cops were all over the street. I guess probably because Julia was firing her, her gun, but you mean Lynette? Oh yeah, yeah. Lynette was. Yes, firing I think her it gun. was Lynette's gunfire that that called the police to their location. <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, there are cops out here." I guess a swarm of police is kind of a little bit of an overreaction. This is LA. I was gonna say in in like our neighborhoods, probably a swarm would show. In LA, maybe not. Yeah. So there were cops all over, but then randomly, uh, there a ton of gunfire just comes right into the apartment. Yeah, sniper. And Russell Thorne is hit. I think he's dead. Yes. Julia's hit. Not dead. Well, we don't as know. As far as we... Yeah. I think Lynette thinks, oh, I think Julia... I don't think she's dead. Because Julia but, was calling after as Lynette was leaving her behind. Yeah. Lynette flees. Leave, find the plant. He's fallen over. He's out of his pot. And she thinks to herself that she can still hear his screams yeah. as she runs out of the apartment. Yep. Along with Julia's. Along with Julia's screams. And so. later she thinks about it and she's just so upset about leaving fine behind. Oh, yeah, and Julia. I was like, girl, get your priorities straight. Yeah. So this was one of the scenes where I had to reread it because I was like, wait. Wildness occurred. And it's weird because, like, in, on her way home she was thinking about, you know, when she's checking her surroundings and stuff like that. She makes a thought about snipers and how, like, that's not how anyone's going to come for you. They're going to come with, for you with a knife. So it's just weird that not a chapter later and she's getting sniped at. Yeah, and I also just, I, I thought it was super confusing narratively mm-hmm. that she, like, fires her gun. In her apartment at Ghost, mm-hmm. quote unquote, Russell Thorne. Mm-hmm. And then there were cops in the street, obviously responding to the gunfire. But then the gunfire, there's gunfire that comes into the apartment. Right. When I first read that, I thought it was the police. Yeah, I I think I was pretty sure that it was a sniper right off the bat, just because he was saying how the police were down on the ground and that it seemed like the gunfire was coming from above but yeah i i at first i didn't know i was like are we doing like a swat thing where we're like coming in the window that was my thought because like russell's looking out the window and so police or people on the street could see him so my thought was well they've heard gunfire now they know multiple people are in this apartment Mm mm-hmm do they think this is a hostage situation? Is yeah. it the police firing 
at random into the yeah. apartment, which yeah. seems silly because why would you just fire if there are hostages? But right. it was not clear to me. Right. I think that was the only reason why I determined after, yeah, probably reading it twice that it wasn't the police, but also her thought about snipers the mm-hmm. previous chapter, I was like, oh, this is a sniper because of that comment. Otherwise, yeah, yeah it wasn't necessarily clear, which could add to your question of whether she's a reliable narrator. Then you're like, okay, is she making up this scenario in her head where someone's coming after her? Or mm-hmm. was it, you know, just the police and or was it real? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if, if that's what they he was going for or what but you know but then she goes to her secret car that you know is you know because she talks about how she doesn't drive anywhere but oh but she has this car but it's like under a different name or she's gone to great lengths to not have it connected to her but all its tires are slashed Mm -hmm. and then she goes to this like storage unit Yeah. yeah And the lock on it is is different than the lock she put on it, which to me, I'm like, so the person that did these things wanted you to notice so that you would be in more of a panic? Yeah. You know, like, why change the lock? Like, why make it obvious to her unless, yeah, you're trying to send her into a tailspin, which mm-hmm. I, I guess that was the goal. And I also, did she... She didn't actually open the storage unit because she saw the lock, the lock was different. Correct. She saw the lock from far away and was like, "Okay, they know about my storage unit. They're probably watching me right now. I got to get out of here." Yeah. So she didn't even go to it. Yeah. I feel like she should have just opened her storage unit. I know that that doesn't go in line with her psychosis, but right. And kind of um, be like, "Oh, what did they do?" Yeah. Like what? Because was they, there a trap? Did they take anything? Like, or is there somebody d- in there? Did they literally just change the lock to mess with her? We'll never know. I'm yeah. guessing yes. But yeah, the only... Because she has that go bag right by her door mm-hmm. in her cage. So that's all she's got on yeah. her. And she had like... I think she had like a substantial amount of cash in yeah. her like lock or something. In her storage unit yeah. or whatever. So Oh, maybe. She had a little bit in her go bag, but probably in her storage unit she had more resources. But Yeah. Either way... That was all of that. I was questioning the whole time. Is what is yeah. is this real? Yeah, yeah, or we, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because it was like, like I said, it was like you'd have these dual statements of like, yeah, I don't drive. Oh, but I have this car. I have this secret car. It's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, why waste time and put yourself at risk riding every bus in LA? Yeah, when you just have a car. Yeah. You could drive a wild route in your car, right. but you're still alone in your car. But you could be followed because they can know that you're in that car. They won't know that you're on that bus. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. This is not... There are many holes. Right. In this logic. Yeah. But. So, this is when Lynn call, calls Dr. Carol. Yeah. And Dr. Carol comes and picks her up and takes her home with her. Yeah. It, which, which their meeting is also odd, like at a Starbucks, and she mm-hmm. like waits and watches her for a little bit or something. Doesn't she like? Yeah, and then she something just odd, like randomly like jumps in her car. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super strange. I also think it's really strange that a therapist would take one of their patients to their home where their kids are. Yeah, it's I think Lynette kind of convinces her that they're in danger, and like she won't mm-hmm. let her take her anywhere else. But yeah, still. I, 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 yeah, I would have been like, no, I'll take you to my office. Yeah. Not my house. Right. 
I'll take you to a hotel. Yeah, but so she and decides to take her to her house with her kids. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, so that's when we meet Pax and Skye, and Lynn is staying in the basement. Mm-hmm. Sleeping in the tub. Yeah, in the, like, the workout room. Yeah. That has no windows, you know. Right. So no escape, but no other form of entry either, so. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, like, one point of egress. Yeah. Ingress. Yeah. Either, yeah, it's weird. Um, but at this point, this is when they find out Dr. Carol, like, gets a call that Heather's halfway house that she lived in burned down. Mm-hmm. And she disappeared. And the authorities think that Heather could be responsible. Right. But Lynette's like, oh, no, this is, they're trying to take us out. Someone's taking out final girls. They're coming yep. after us. Yeah. Adrian, my house, now Heather's house. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They're coming for us. And they're, they're all like, oh, I don't really, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know she's acting erratic, but, like, you can't deny that... There seems to be a pattern. Yeah. Could it be a coincidence? Maybe. But it it's not a great leap to go, uh, it's kind of pattern-like. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah. Okay. So, then, Lin- Lynette stays the night, and the next morning she's still at Dr. Carroll's, obviously. And another call comes in... And Danny has been arrested. Right. So, apparently, the police wanted Danny for questioning about her case Mm -hmm. because someone had come forward and confessed to the crimes. Yeah, because Danny did kill, ended up having to kill her Mm -hmm. killer, a.k.a. her brother, because... He was attacking her. Yeah, or... People that she loved. I can't remember, but she ended up, yeah. she ended up, I think, what, like bashing his head in or something. Yeah, like, I, think I mean, it so. was, a, it was a violent, it was violent death, but I mean, the man killed a lot of people and she felt a lot of guilt for that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So then when this other guy comes forward, it's like, oh, so did I kill my brother? You're saying I killed my brother needlessly now? Yeah. Cause at first it was just like, wow, I killed my brother. Like that. That sucks. sucks. I loved him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you're telling me maybe, it was someone else. Maybe, entirely. maybe, yeah. Because her brother and this other guy had escaped at the same time, right? And the killer wore a mask. She never right. saw her brother's face. Mm-hmm. She just killed the killer, and I think was told later that it was her brother, or like. Mm-hmm. The things he was doing implicated that it was her brother. I can't fully remember. Yeah. But, but yeah, when this other guy comes forward, it's like, you know, because so then she's like, oh, so was my brother just coming to see, see me? me? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe when she killed him, he had the mask. I can't even remember anymore. Yeah. It doesn't fully really matter. But yeah, right. so, but someone else comes forward saying that. Oh, they committed the murders, not the person she killed. So she's already distraught. So then mm-hmm. the police come to her house for questioning and they're trying to take her and in she, for questioning. And she's yeah. like, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, right. I'm staying with my dying partner in here. Mm-hmm. And they were like advancing on her and she like shot bullets into the air. She wasn't shooting at anyone. But yeah. She got tased and arrested. Yep. So, yeah. And that's that point. Where we get Danny's story. Yeah. So. Um, I could read it to you more accurately, but again, it 
doesn't fully. Yeah. The, the nitty gritty details don't fully matter necessarily in the nah, not grand really. scheme of things. Right. Um, so Lynn is just chilling in Dr. Carol's house. And for whatever reason, she goes into Sky's room. Now, Sky's the 26 year old. Mm-hmm. She goes into Sky's room um, and she catches him. <laughs> in a compromising position mm-hmm. and with compromising materials on his computer screen. Uh-huh. And unusual <laughs> compromising whatever's yeah. on his computer screen. It's never described what kind of like porn he's watching. It just says that it's, like, weird, and doesn't she compare it to, like, the things that Chrissy deals in or something? Yeah. Sort of, which I also thought was, like, weird. I agree. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what Chrissy's doing over there besides, you know, selling memorabilia, but... Yeah. She compared it to that, which I thought was odd. I agree. But I... I didn't want it at that point. I was like, I don't want to know what this boy's doing, so... Yeah. (laughs) That's fine. You don't have to tell me. I, I... Right. I know enough. (laughs) We know enough. So (laughs) she asks him, basically, she talks to him about his, like, computer prowess. And he set up all of Dr. Carol's, like, website and blah, blah, blah. And so she's like, come with me to my apartment. We're going to sneak in, Mm -hmm. like, in the night. And we got to get my computer. I got to see what the police have seen or taken or tampered with. Right. Exactly. So he agrees. She like gives him money. Or yeah, yeah. She says she's gonna give him it, yeah, money. Him money. Either way. So they are sneaking out. Well, she sneaks into Dr. Carroll's office and sees files on her yeah. desk at some point. Yeah. Just of other final girls, which yeah. we know that Dr. Carroll specializes in yeah. that kind of counseling and trauma. So Right. I didn't um, think it was that unusual, but she specifically had out Stephanie's folder, which mm-hmm. again a recent victim, so it doesn't not not really not, out of the not raising alarm bells for me necessarily, but it's noted. Lynette just yeah. like basically notes it. Yes, and then whenever it becomes night, she and Sky are sneaking out, and wouldn't you know, Pax, the eight-year-old, sees him. He's kind of a little jerk. He's kind, He kind of is, yeah. And for having a counselor mom, like, she's just so, like, blasé about his, like, rude attitude. Yeah. Woman. Seems a little weird. Yeah. But, I mean, she can't get a handle of five grown women bickering, so I guess she can't get a handle of her little turd eight-year-old either. <laughs> yeah, for real. Sorry, Dr. Carol. I, I, I don't know how I feel about you. I don't know a lot about you, but from what yeah. I've seen, I'm not impressed. Yeah. We'll say that. We'll just, yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> um, so Pax catches them, and Lynette is like, here's $100. Don't tell your mom. And he gives her a comic that he drew, and she's, like, sick and puts it in her bag and right. like, whatever. Right, Because earlier he was like, buy my comic, and she's like, get away from me. So yeah. Yeah. to keep quiet, he's like, you have to buy my comic. And she's right. like, okay, how much? <laughs> One hundred He's, like, insistent on selling this dang comic. I know. Which later I'm like, did no one look at this thing before he starts selling that? Who did he give them to and did they not read it? We'll get back to Super, that. But yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Wild. Wild. 
So they go to her apartment. Of course, they do Lynette's usual, like, evasive maneuver. She won't <laughs> sit in the seat. She sits in the freaking floorboard of the car. Right. And <laughs> so, whatever. They she, sneak in. She makes note that he looks like her, her high school boyfriend. High school boyfriend, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget, she's not in her 30s. She's, like, in her 40s, 50s. 40s, yeah. Something 50s, like that. Maybe. Something. <laughs> Um, so they go in, she like has her hard drive stored in like the wall or whatever. Mm -hmm. She pulls it out and he click clacks in it (laughs) and finds that someone had installed some like backdoor software to give them access to all of her shit, basically. I don't know how that works, but that's what he says happens. Yep. And lo and behold, we find out. That Lynette wrote a book about everyone in group. Not Heather. Not Heather. It, she wrote it and decided she would never publish it. Right. It was more of, it turned into more of a journal than anything yeah. else. But. but she did, in fact, write it. And now she's thinking that whoever has hacked into her computer has taken it and... Yeah. We'll publish it. For someone who takes a lot of precautions, she also makes a lot of mistakes. Right. It's that whole can't see the forest for the trees. Right. Like she says, like, you know, but I don't download anything. Oh, but I do download things and click on stuff. And it's like, what? Yeah. I know. If anything, like, if you were going to write something like that, if you're that paranoid, you would have it on a device that was not connected to the internet whatsoever. Right. Like a typewriter. Yeah. Or just like in a journal, like a right. physical ass journal. Right. But no. On a computer, it's been stolen. Yeah. It is funny that Lynette has all of these like safety measures and precautions and she does all of this wild shit every day of her life. And she makes so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like, we're about to encounter one. So... After she's done in her apartment, she doesn't have Skye take her back to Dr. Carol's. Mm -hmm. She has Skye take her to Marilyn's. Yes. And so she's sneaking on to Marilyn's property. Marilyn's having some, like, huge fancy party for rich people. Yeah. And she gets caught by security. They take her to Marilyn's guest house. Heather's already there. Yeah. Well, then we find out that paparazzi followed Lynette to Marilyn's. Yeah. And she was, like, doing her sneaky sneaky with Sky in the car sitting in the floorboard. Right. And they still knew she was in that car, and they still followed her. Yeah. And cause, and I wasn't sure if the paparazzi were already there because of the event Marilyn was having. Because mm-hmm. Marilyn is – she married Rich. She's actually married to a man who, like, owns, like, a bunch of prisons or something. Yeah. Um, or is like the head of a bunch of prisons or something. So she has wealth and she's Mm -hmm. like having a benefit Mm -hmm. for the night. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know if the paparazzi were already there because of the event or yeah, if they actually followed her. Yeah. But yes, she does make the comment that somehow the paparazzi followed you here. Knew that her and Heather were there or something like that, which, and also I guess it's not really important, but we learned when they were in the apartment, like. She's a romance writer for her job. Like, that's how she makes money mm-hmm. by not and not doesn't leave her house. She's, like, a secret romance author or something, which mm-hmm. was 
felt random, but, you know, I guess, I don't know if that just shows, like, you know, no matter how cautious or detached you are from people, you still have secret wishes and desires or mm-hmm. whatever, but I don't know, that was so random. But, yeah, it was odd that she had been followed by the paparazzi or found out by the paparazzi, even though she's so careful. Yeah. Oh, and she brought Fine with her when they went back to the apartment. Yeah. She grabbed Fine. But then she also left him on the ground outside <laughs> Marilyn's properly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Super weird. Yep. But her and Heather are there in the guest house. And um, Heather's basically mad that she's there. You're going to ruin this for me. Yeah, you're Whatever. blowing up my spot. I'm, I was hiding here first. And Marilyn's yeah. going to take care of me with all her money. Get yeah. out. <laughs> and Marilyn's basically like, I don't want either one of you. Right. <laughs> You're here so that you don't go over to the paparazzi and like ruin my party, which you've already done, by the way. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I don't really want either one of you here, but I guess I'll let you stay for the night or <laughs> what? You know, she's pretty reluctant, which I don't blame her. They're both acting yeah. wild. They are. And then, I don't know, it's, I guess it's the next day. A story comes on the news, and it's Garrett P. Cannon, the officer who saved Lynn from her ordeal ordeal in the past. And he announces that new information has come to light on Lynn's case, and they're looking for her. But he doesn't say what the new information is, just that new information has come to light, and they're looking for her for questioning. Yeah. So that just adds another layer onto this cake of conspiracy that they're being targeted and manipulated and and all that stuff. Yeah. Wild. And this is the point. So Marilyn, her party's over. She comes back in. Lynette's trying to convince them that some shit's going down. Mm -hmm. They're being targeted. Blah, blah, blah. Marilyn and Heather just basically don't want anything to do with any of it. Mm -hmm. And um... Lynette's like, we're all in danger, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, shut up. It's kind of like, we need to get, we need to figure out how to get Danny and yeah. Julia. Yeah. And we all need to get to safety and bunker down until right. this blows over. And Marilyn and Heather are just like not going for it. So it seems like Lynette just settles on the Michelle thing mm-hmm. just to keep the three of them together for the moment. A lot of the things that Lynette does, like, it doesn't feel like she's doing it because she cares about anybody. It's just, like, the next logical step or her her next, like, safety net mm-hmm. to, like, keep herself alive. Not to say that she doesn't... I guess I am saying that she doesn't care about them. I don't believe that she doesn't care about them. But at the same time, I don't think that she's doing things because she cares about them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, deep down, she cares about these people, but... She is so hyper-focused and so concerned about her own survival that I think that she's really just trying to manipulate the next step to get her to the answer to what's going on and and save Haven rather than really, truly, deeply caring about what's going on with everyone else. I agree. She just wants them all to get on board. Right. But. Right. I agree. But yeah, then that's when they decide to go visit. Because when Danny got arrested, they took Michelle to a hospice center. Mm-hmm. And Danny promised Michelle she wouldn't die in a hospice center that that she would but that she would get to die at home and that's why Danny was really refusing to leave cuz Michelle is in her last days. Yeah. 
So, but they decide to go visit Michelle. I can't really remember the reason necessarily, but that's just something that Lynette... Well, and Lynette makes the comment, like, I hope Heather doesn't mention Michelle, or I hope they've forgotten about Michelle. Like, I remember reading that line, and I was like, oh, why? Yeah. <laughs> but Weird. I think, I think, or maybe Marilyn came up with, like, I'm going to go visit Michelle, so come with mm-hmm. me or don't. But, you know, I, I can't even remember how we get there, or the, the real why. Mm-hmm. But we go, and Lynette's guilt is is eating at her for leaving Julia behind. So when they're about to leave, she's like, hey, you know what? We should take Michelle with us. And again, I don't even know if this is driven because she feels bad for Michelle or wants to do it for Danny or if it's just, I don't know, because Mm -hmm. she kind of goes back and forth. At first, she's just like, I just want to get out of here. And then it's like, oh, uh, yeah, we should take Michelle with us. It's like she's having these, this battle in her of like, well, I really just want to, like, cut and run, but, oh, yeah, we, we shouldn't leave Michelle here. Like, this yeah. will alleviate my guilt a little bit. Right. So they yeah. decide to break Michelle out of hospice, and then they get her on the car, and then they realize she's so out of it. Like, she can't even tell them where... Where the ranch is. Where the ranch is, where their home is, and none of them know, but they don't want to call Dr. Carol, because mm-hmm. they don't know if they can trust her, or she'll, you know, whatever. So then... They end up at a park and, you know, Michelle dies. At least she doesn't die in the hospital, but it's still very sad. It's kind of like graphically descriptive, like her passing, her bodily function. Like, it's just a very tragic, sad moment. Mm-hmm. And it felt out of place. It felt just horrible. Yeah, it didn't. I was... It didn't fit in the narrative of the story. Yeah. And then, so that happens unexpectedly fine. And they were like, well, okay, now we still, we got to figure out where the ranch is and at least take her there. And I was like, yes, that is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then they end up just leaving her there on a park bench next to some old man, some old man who we later find out was like trying to kiss her corpse. Yeah. Ew. Mm hmm. Like. You really think that's what Danny wanted? Like, thanks for taking her out of the hospice because she didn't want to die there, but she died in a park, and then you just, like, left her body. But that was Heather's decision. Yeah, Heather's the one that came up with that. And then yeah. Lynette's like, you know what? I'm with Heather on this one. Yeah. It was the weirdest yeah. thing. She's like, yeah, we should really take her home. Yeah, yeah, we'll just leave her here. Who are you? What is going on here? The minute I think that, like, you're getting, you're growing or, like, you know, settling back into normality and like catching some feelings then you go back to like dumb town like yeah and or making sporadic decisions and having no feelings whatsoever i'm like who are you very confusing yeah very confusing and <laughs> now we're still at this park as they're attempting to get into maryland's suv garrett p cannon rolls up with mm. the police and they arrest lynette yep because Heather called the police. Heather called them. And an ambulance? She called an ambulance for the dead body and then called the police so that they would take Lynette and not her. Right. Like she made some sort of deal. Because Heather was wanted for her house burning down. Right. Which she insists she didn't do. She, she said was, she passed out in the woods yeah. after a bender. Yeah. 
and wasn't even in the house or near the house when it blew up or burned or whatever. Right. So now Lynette's in custody. And the cops are questioning her, essentially insinuating that she had had a sexual relationship with Ricky Walker, her first attacker. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's basically all they're asking her. The only question they keep asking her is, did, how many times did you have sex with Ricky Walker? Yeah, they're blah, being blah, blah. real gross about it. Yes, and the way that they're conducting themselves is super, super um, unprofessional and mm-hmm. would absolutely not be legal. No. Because she's not even in a regular jail cell, right? She, isn't she in like a glass box? Yeah, I think technically it would be like a solitary confinement situation mm-hmm. because she doesn't, she's not out of the cell for meal times or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it I, it doesn't specifically say how long she's in there, but yeah. she makes a mental note of multiple meals being brought to her, so she's definitely there for longer than a day. Yeah, um, which you can't be. Without being charged. And they don't have any real evidence other than these letters that she wrote when she was a child. We find out that she was pen pals. Mm-hmm. And this finally is when we get Lynette's story. Yeah, we don't... Mind we... you, all the way up until this point, we're 200 pages in. We have literally no idea what happened to Lynette. None. Except for the fact that everyone throughout the book keeps telling her she's not a real final girl like the rest of them. Right. And so we find out why they say that is because the rest of them had to fight and or kill their attacker, whereas Lynette was saved. Right. Okay, but she didn't die. She played possum. She got away. Mm -hmm. But I'm also, like, the nature of her attack, what else could she have done is the thing. I mean, because she was literally impaled on antlers yeah this guy she was they were pen pals since they were in fifth grade kids she doesn't know this guy she's just riding back and forth a kid pouring her heart out whatever to another kid yeah and then i'm assuming you know i don't know at what age she stops or doesn't stop whatever but she's hanging out with her boyfriend and then all of a sudden someone dressed in a santa suit this ricky guy comes into her house takes her, impales her up on some antlers, and then proceeds to kill and torture her family in front of her. Yeah. And she just has to lay there and pretend like she's dead. What else do you, What else are you supposed to do? Right. Especially because... She can't pull herself down. She can't get off of the antlers, no. first of all. Because, I mean, she if she even began to try, he would just have hit her with his axe, and that would have been it. Yeah. And... She survived. Also, if she would have managed to get herself off of those antlers, she probably would have bled to death. Yeah. Because... It even said, I think, that they, they being were like, on the antlers is what kept her alive. Exactly. It, you know? That's what they... That's what all, like, medical professionals say if, like, you find yourself, like, impaled on something, the worst thing you can do is pull it out. Right. Just because leave it. Because <laughs> where... It is, is holding your blood in. So if she would have gotten off of the antler, she would have bled out and bled to death. Right. So the only way she was ever going to survive that would be to stay exactly where she was. Yep. 
So, and how are you going to fight? You're not. You're simply you not going to fight. No, she couldn't. There's literally nothing she could do. So her only option was to just hang there and pretend like she was dead. So people using the fact that the situation she was in was literally the only option against her is cruel and mean. Yeah. And de- you know, demeaning to her. The, yeah. You know. And she's, again, like the most unrehabilitated of all of them. Like right. she can't live in the real world. Right. Because of it. And I don't know if it's her guilt for not acting or doing anything or what. I do think towards the end, a little bit. We get of her thinking about her little sister. Yeah. She and her mom. Yeah. But uh, oh, not and, a lot. And her dad was an ex-police officer who was friends with Garrett, the guy right. that saved her. Right. So that's another like layer why the cops are being so mean to her or whatever. Because mm-hmm. if she is an accomplice of her first attacker, then that means she aided in the killing of a cop. Right. Yeah. Or or whatever, but they they have no proof other than these children letters written on similar stationery. Yeah. But that's yeah, like Maddie said, this is when we get her story and and all that stuff, and we find out that Lynette and Garrett actually had an affair at one point mm-hmm. after he saved her. Mind you, Garrett was I think a married man and was very manipulative and was trying to get Lynette to do interviews and movies and kind of make money off of everything. Mm-hmm. So he's a complete scumbag trash hole. Yeah, he was sort of operating as, like, her manager with all those things in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So she was, her story was making him a lot of money. Yeah. And when she stopped wanting to do things that made him money, he dropped, dropped her like a bad habit. Yep. So he's garbage. Yep. Yep, he's the worst. And he's a lot old. He was a lot older than her, too. Yeah. Because she was, like, 18. Yeah. After, he, when he saved her from the second attack. And I'm pretty sure that he was, like, her dad's age. Yeah, I think he was, like, in his 40s, for sure. So he's yucky. Yeah. I think I even wrote on my note in my thing, yucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that he treated her and was towards her, whatever. But Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so Lena is in her cell, and the police in this station have, like, taken copies of these letters between her and Ricky and pasted them, like, all over the walls of this cell to taunt her. They're wearing Santa hats. Yeah. And it's just, uh, this is, like, one of the parts that I had, like, the biggest issue with Mm -hmm. because you absolutely would not be able to act that way as as a police officer. Is this like a small town? So they... This is L.A. where they're at. I'm pretty... They arrest her while they're, she's yeah, still in yeah. California. So I was going to say, it's not like they're in some remote small town like outside of L.A. Yeah. Okay, then yeah. Like, you can't... Because I... Yeah, this I is... Know. This is... Because yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I could see where if it was a remote small town and they think they just do whatever they want. But if you're in the heart yeah. of L.A., you can't just... Be arresting people and, and torturing them in a cell without any proof. Yeah, because I think um, if this would have happened, if she had been like extradited back to Utah to the town where she's from, where the murders actually happened, 
then this, these antics may have been a little more like, okay, sure, this is a small town in Utah. Right. But not in L.A. Yeah. Like, and this is also, like, current day. You, The level of lawsuit she could bring against these police officers is ungodly. Oh, yeah. J- just for the Santa hats. Just the Santa hat alone. Really? Oh my, the pain and suffering because she's already suffering from mental health. She already has a level of like hyper paranoia and OCD. And for them to do that after all of the shit that she went through. Right. Lawsuits out the ass. Right. Any attorney worth their bar card would get her so much money out of that. Oh. Grady Hendrix. What? Please. Yeah. Please. Yeah. And I know that we keep calling Lynette crazy and we're not, we're not commenting on anyone who has trauma and has a severe reaction to it. It's simply just how this character is written and how it doesn't feel done properly. Yeah. It is definitely a critique of the, of the writing. Yeah. Not mental illness yeah, as because, a whole. <laughs> because trauma and men- mental illness is not handled properly in this book. Right. Is the is really what this right. boils down to. So it's that and then yeah, and then the handling of the police officers. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's just uh it's just lazy. You're not mm-hmm. doing your due diligence to understand the bare basics. Like what are they arresting Lynette on? Are they arresting her because of her firing her gun in her apartment? Are you charging her with that? Right. But then Garrett eventually gets like gets her out and says he's taking her back to Utah to face her crimes. Is she charged with those murders now based on these so-called letters that you found because of Billy Walker, who's one of her attackers? Right. Like, that doesn't seem fishy to you? All So is she charged? Is she not That'd charged? Thrown What's out going in court on? In a hot yeah second how what are you doing you held her for what seems to be more than 24 hours which is illegal without charging her so what's the deal here uh-huh. you can't someone can't take someone against their will in a car to another state quote-unquote extraditing without being charged and she was attacked and she was attacked by what, one of the police officers what is this who was a quote-unquote fan or obsessed or something, yeah. and he tried to choke her out or kill her. He tried to her. kill her right in her cell. What, what is happening here? I don't know. I don't None know. of this is making sense. No. If and you're, you're going to bring the legal system in, at least do it correct. Right. You can figure out how this would happen in a real-life jail setting. Right. This is not it, my man. Right. And yeah, Lynette's looking at these letters, and she's like, yeah, I definitely didn't write them. And that's on different stationery. Yes, it's... Holly Hobby, but it's a different style than the ones that I, the letters that are I actually wrote. Right. It looks like my handwriting, but. Clearly a forge. Right. But yeah, so then she gets attacked and then Garrett gets the idea that, Garrett gets the idea that he's going to, like you said, extradite her to take her to get charged wherever. That's at least that's what he's telling That's what he's people. telling them. And then he decides he's going to let her go, which, again, I don't even understand why he's letting her go. Like, is it because he believes her that there's a conspiracy? I think he does. Whenever he's letting her go, she thinks that he's going to kill him. And he's like, Jesus, Lynette, you think you think I would kill you? What's yeah. going on? I'm letting you go. He's like, those are clearly forged. Duh. 
Right. But he's, like, saying all these, like, weird things to her. Yeah. I'm like, you said that to her, like, you weren't under surveillance, so, like, why'd you say all that mean stuff? Yeah, because he even, like, talked about her dad and Yeah. I don't... Super weird. But he's like, yeah, so just beat me up and make it look good so I could tell him that, you know, you got away from me for, you know, but you gotta, you gotta really convince him. You know, they, I had to take a real beating for you to get away. And she's just like, yeah, whatever, and kicks him in the nuts. Which is, <laughs> which brings me back to the question. Is she charged with a crime? I don't know. Because if she's not charged with a crime, who the fuck cares where she is and how she got away from him? Right. Because if she's not charged with a crime, technically he's kidnapping her and he should be charged with a crime. Mm-hmm. Who signed off on her being... Extradite. Yeah, it's like, I I don't understand. You have to have a warrant from a judge to extradite, and you only extradite if there are existing charges in another jurisdiction. Come on. It's not like she had a warrant out for her arrest for these murders. This is just new, quote-unquote, evidence that's conjecture at best. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's one. Where are the charges? Right. So, but she gets away from him. As he planned, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's when she decides she's going to go get Stephanie, the newest, as we said, final girl, and... Keep her safe. Right. Because now she's, the with the letters, she's like, oh, the only person that knew about this was Dr. Carol. So Dr. Mm-hmm. Carol is the one behind all of this. So she's like, I'm going to go pick up Stephanie, protect her from Dr. Carol. I'm going to call the other girls. We're going to... Bunker down somewhere and be safe. And she also got a weird vibe because Dr. Carol also visited her in jail, which also right. means that she I forgot was, about that. She was in jail long enough to get a visitor. Yeah. So she was in jail for a few days mm-hmm. with with no charges. Yeah. I'm never gonna get over it. Uh, so Dr. Carol visits her and has a copy of the book. That's right. And so now everyone knows. That Lynette wrote this book, and Lynette's like, why would she print out this book? It looked, that's way more pages than I wrote. She's got a weird tone about her, and now she's like, Dr. Carol's the one. This seems really dramatic, like she's doing this for show. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever, you know, and Dr. Carol's talking about how hurt she is, about how she's depicted in the book. Yeah. And Lynette's like telling herself, like, oh, this is all just... Performative, Performative, basically, yeah. Yep. So... So now Lena is trying to save Stephanie before Dr. Carol gets to her. Right. So she goes to her house. She basically pretends to be a protege of Dr. Carol, blah, 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 gets Stephanie. The parents find out and they, basically she kidnaps Stephanie. Yeah. I mean, Stephanie is 18 and does go willingly. Yeah. So it's not technically kidnapping, but mm-hmm. she kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically, yes. So... Um, they're, they're out here in the winds driving around. I don't know what makes her decide to contact Chrissy. I don't either. Other than does she have no one else to turn to? Like I, cause I know she tries to call some of the girls and like they yeah. don't answer cause they're upset about the book, but mm-hmm. I still don't fully understand like what she thinks going to Chrissy is going to accomplish. Right. And if she says, I can't remember what it is. Yeah. So, her and Stephanie work up this whole ruse of selling some memorabilia from Lynette's case, and Chrissy's all over it. 
Right, because Chrissy used to be part of the group, mm-hmm. and then she turned on them. Or whatever. She basically, like, Chrissy does work with the killers that are still alive. Like She, she like, advocates for reducing their sentences and stuff like that. Yeah, and, like, she sells memorabilia, like, mm-hmm. from the actual murders mm-hmm. and maybe from the movies or kind of both. Kind of both, I think. But they also talk about, like, her website having, like, real sick stuff on there. Yeah. So I don't know if we're talking, like, bodily fluids from yeah. these killers or... I think that is one of them. But... Yeah. But they talk about... How dark and messed up Chrissy is, but I don't know what led her there. Yeah, I don't know. We don't really get any explanation for Chrissy's motives, let alone her backstory. Right, because we don't even really know what happened to her. Mm-mm. Um, so the whole route happens. They get they fall end up having to follow Chrissy to her house. Yeah, they like fake her out. Don't sell her anything. They just basically. Sit there until they can see her so then they can follow her home. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they think following her home is the right idea. I'm not sure what their purpose or plan mm-hmm. is once they get to her home. I don't understand. But yeah. we follow Chrissy home. Yeah. And so Lynette stays in the car. No. Lynette leaves Stephanie in the car and goes into Chrissy's house. This man, Keith, finds her and like drags her by her hair into the house. And it's all dramatic, and Chrissy is there, and she says some weird shit about final girls and their monsters and femininity and creation and destruction and blah, blah, blah. She's very, like, woo-woo spiritual about it, but it's... Yeah, very, like, a mystic sort of... Mystic, yeah. Yeah. So she kind of takes Lynette through her museum of murderabilia. Yeah, she, like, has these rooms that are, like, either resettings of people's uh, stuff, murder Murder, uh, scenes, or just memorabilia. Like, she has the dress. The Marilyn one didn't... Isn't it, like, a dress that Marilyn was going to wear or something like that? I think Marilyn did wear... This dress to like a like a sort of ball of some sort, like maybe debutante ish. Yeah, but she wasn't wearing the dress. Like Marilyn's story is kind of odd too, because the motive for Marilyn going to that part of Texas was odd. Like there were grave robbers, mm-hmm. and like her family was like really well to do, and like they didn't want that kind of scandal that like they didn't want to find on the news that their family member had been grave robbed or mm-hmm. whatever. So Marilyn and her brother and like a few friends went down to check on her grandpa's yeah. grave or something. Mm-hmm. And that's how they ended up getting attacked by this family. Like that yeah. whole thing seemed odd. And the, yeah. But yeah, then she had the dress and she has the scene of Heather's attack, which is never described. We're told is real jacked up. But we don't get any description either of the scene that Chrissy recreates, let alone a description of what actually happens to Heather. Mm-hmm. The only thing we hear, we see is like a news article that talks about how maybe there's like, there were falsified statements or like things weren't as they seemed or something. But again, it's like 
So is the article real? Are you trying to say Heather didn't really get it? But we don't get any details and it's very frustrating. Yeah, it really is. Don't introduce a character from something and then not... Because you can't, you can't rely on saying, oh, well, the same thing happened to her. Because we're in the quote-unquote real world. And you're not giving me any indication that supernatural things really happen in this world. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that Freddy Krueger didn't attack people in their dreams. Well, then what happened? Or right. in this book, the Dream King. Tell me what happened with the Dream King. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, so this room looks real jacked up. Okay, I'm not like necessarily looking to read something super jacked up but if you're gonna tell me that you gotta tell me something yeah and like each one of the other girls you get a blurb about what happened to them like specifically what happened to them yep except for heather and chrissy we don't which are our seemingly supernatural the two supernatural based yeah ones and it's just like don't include it then if you don't have the wherewithal to convert that into a story that could have happened in real life. Yeah. Or if you don't want to convert it, just keep the supernatural elements and just let it ride. Right. Like commit or don't use it. Right. Because it's glaringly obvious that you've given everybody else's backstory except for theirs. Right. And, and we all understand why. Right. <laughs> it's like, could you not think of what to adapt to their story as, Mm -hmm. you know, like it doesn't feel intentional. It just feels missing. Yeah. Like with Freddy Krueger, for example, like he's just called Freddy Krueger and it's the nightmare on Elm street. Just the title, a nightmare could simply be somebody coming to kill you. It doesn't have to be supernatural. Right. So he could have left out the dream part of nightmare on Elm street and just had some guy who worked in a boiler had burns and had scissors on his hands right or he could have even snuck in people's rooms and drugged them and made them hallucinate yes and then attacked them or something but just you nothing you're just gonna say we're spitballing it's it's the quote-unquote dream king but you're gonna tell and she turned to drugs to get over what happened to her Mm -hmm. and you're gonna tell me that it was horrific and sick and twisted but you're not going to tell me anything about it yeah you have no qualms about telling us that lynette was hung from antlers and like her family was tortured and all that stuff so it's like so what with an axe that's gruesome so what happened to i think one of them even got like decapitated Mm -hmm. i think you know or some like some gross details and if you know anything like i said about Silent Night, Deadly Night, it's even grosser than that. So, but yeah, like you, it's not like you just alluded to everyone's stories and just assume that everyone's seen those movies. You, you, your reference is for movie buffs going, oh, I know what that's based on. But you still said, oh, this is what happened to this person. Yeah. It's up to the knowledge of the reader to go, oh, I know what that's based on. But you didn't expect them to have that knowledge. Mm -hmm. You said, here's their Here's a character, here's their story, here's their killer, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that with Chrissy and Heather, and I find that really frustrating. Yeah, super frustrating. But sorry, I hung us up really no. far. We're going through the museum yeah. of Chrissy's craziness. And yeah. again, I don't understand her... Motives. What led her here. <laughs> yeah, we have we don't know anything about Chrissy. So Other than she's into helping and hanging out with killers and mm-hmm. is real twisted. Yep, she is. So 
they're going through a museum and Chrissy actually has emails that kind of like unravel some some of the shit. So Lynette's like, let's get to the emails, babe. Let's get to the emails. And yeah. Christy's like, look at my collection. Right. And she's, she's like, like, I'll look right. at your collection. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Take cool, me to the cool, emails. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> so we do eventually get to the emails. And so Chrissy was acting kind of as the middleman here where this un, this person whose moniker is Orcomenis. Oh. It's like Orcomenos. Orcomenos. Menus? Like, I don't know. Orchomenos? I don't know. Yeah, I had, I, yeah, my brain was like, uh, Uh, like I said, I read it Orcomenus, and I was like, no, that can't be right. I think I read it Orcomenos. That makes a lot more sense and sounds a lot more ominous. Uh, I don't know. Either way, it sounds no. Greek. No. It sounds Greek. The but... way you just, no, the way you pronounce it sounds perfectly <laughs> right. That's why I'm saying my my ding-dong brain was like, uh, sure. It's. Sure. Yeah. Well, there it is. Um, <laughs> so this person, quote unquote, is emailing for, like, quotes for artwork from Billy Walker, who is Lynette's second attacker, the brother of Ricky Walker. Mm-hmm. So... They're sending these emails back and forth about artwork and price, but they all have these, like, sequence of numbers at the bottom of the emails. So Chrissy obviously catches on, and it signals to a book, The Diary of Anne Frank, because every jail has a copy, and it's basically they are planning this, like, letter thing with Lynette, so... There's the letters and the forged ones and all of this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. And eventually Chrissy's like, when I looked up the computer, the address, the IP, whatever it is, it's Dr. Carol's, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And Lynette's like, got him. Knew it. Knew it. (laughs) Friggin' knew it. So Lynette's like, all right, well, that's all I need. Great. Have a good day. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be going now. Uh, And then they hear Keith, which is Chrissy's boyfriend, who apparently is also a murderer. Yeah. He's found Stephanie. Yeah. And he's like bloodied her up and he's ready to flay her. Yeah. Skinner. Yep. He's ready to, you know. And Chrissy's like, I'm going to give him Stephanie. Yeah. And Lynette's like, uh... Maybe not. Right. Though. She's like, no, she's a final girl like us. She, she's, you know, she's with us. Yeah. She has her own monster, you yeah. know, that she's already been claimed by another monster. Like, he can't have her. Cause, you know, like yeah. we said, Chrissy has these weird yeah. rules of yeah. a final girl and her monster and her killer and, and blah, blah, it, blah. It does seem like at this point, Lynette is trying to like appeal to Chrissy's yes. kind of like psychosis a little. Yeah. And Chrissy's like, no. I think I'm going to let him have her. Yeah. This one's fine. Yeah. He's like, she's a monster anyway. And she's like, no, she's not a monster. She's a final girl. Like, don't do this. Yeah. And so Lynette's like, you know what? Fuck it. She runs out and gets in her car and just runs into the house. Yeah. Basically, she kills Chrissy, I guess. I mean, yeah. she, she thinks she does. Yeah. And uh, so she gets Stephanie. They get in the car. Keith is still, like, you know. Ambling after him. Coming (laughs) after him. They finally get the car started, and they're out of there. Yeah. So. Long story short, they get away. (laughs) They get away. 
And um, they head to, like, a hotel. And at the hotel is when Lynette... I don't know if she's, like, going through her bag or whatever, but she finds the comic from PAX. Yeah. And she's reading the comic and realizes that PAX has drawn, uh, basically, that Sky is a monster. Yeah. Well, before that, she calls... Sky to tell him that his mom isn't safe and right. that he needs to get the other final girls and they need to go somewhere else away from Dr. Carol. Right. And then I think she even calls Julia or something is like, yeah, you if you guys go somewhere else, you don't even have to tell me. You guys just need to go somewhere else. Dr. Carol's not safe. Get yep. her kids yeah. to safety too. And then after that, yes, she finds the comic. Yeah. And yeah. it's basically... Sky is the most. It's mm-hmm. like detailing everything, like the yeah. sniper shooting and mm-hmm. the different stuff, mm-hmm. which has barely just happened. Right. And what's also weird that you brought up that in some of like the beginning before it gets to like the different like sniper shootings, house on fire, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It shows like Pax and Sky interacting mm-hmm. and Lynette's like evaluating these because she's like you know, read so many things. Yeah, she makes a comment earlier on that she, like, looks at the art of kids Mm -hmm. to look for future psychopaths or whatever, which, again, was, like, a weird thing to tell us, but it's like, okay. Sure. So, yeah, she's psychoanalyzing this comic book. She is, and she's like, okay, this element of this drawing points to abuse. This element of this drawing points to possibly sexual abuse. And blah, blah, blah. And what's so weird is that never comes up again. No. It, it just, the, it goes from that to then Skyman does this and Skyman hates the final girls and Skyman does that. You know, it's like, it, but it's just like, she does a psychoanalysis and it, yeah, it's never mentioned again. It's like, so was Pax abused by Sky? Was Pax abused by someone else? Yeah, was Sky abused when he he was young and right. then also abused Pax? And I'm sorry, Dr. Carol, are you not looking at this comic book that your child is selling to other people? Because he originally tried to sell it to her for like five bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's giving these things out willy-nilly. Yeah. Have you not looked at any of your kids' art? Like, let's assume that this one's a new edition. Because it's got the shooting and stuff like that. That's recent. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that the other ones don't depict a similar undertone. Yeah, this is likely not isolated. So where the heck are you, Dr. Carol? Yeah, it's very strange. It was a very strange element and... And again, yeah, not not going back to that and being like, oh, we found out that Sky did this or this or this to PAX. Or their mom did this or this or this. Or, oh, their dad and that's why their mom wasn't with You know, something Mm -hmm. to describe these elements that she's calling out as, oh, this is this. This is this. Mm -hmm. Like, they're you're going to say it. But, again, he says things, the author says things, but then doesn't expand on them. Mm -hmm. It's, It's very, the way plot device is working here is so clunky like the comic is very clearly a plot device Mm -hmm. i mean 
you have to have plot devices in a story. We've talked about this. You have to mm-hmm. because you have to move the story forward no matter what. But the way you're supposed to write them is to where that you don't see the seams. Mm-hmm. You don't see where the author is transitioning into something else. It just right. happens and you're just in the story. Right. So plot devices are supposed to be seamless. And here we're basically we're told that she looks in child art to look for signs of future psychopaths. We get child art. Child art tells us about psychopaths. Yep. And it's never addressed as far as uh, any implication as to what's happened to Pax. We don't revisit it. We don't have any exposition about Sky or Pax at all, period, after, after this. Yeah. So the comic sets us up to tell us who the real killer is, and then it's gone. Right. It's never thought of. It's never brought up. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Right. So you're just left with, with this eight-year-old child who's seemingly been abused, mm-hmm. and nothing nothing is ever done about it. No. It's like there, there are repeated holes in the story that's like, this isn't fill in the blank. This isn't for me to color with my imagination you just left gaping holes yeah in your story yeah that frankly i just find frustrating <laughs> right because the whole idea of sky being the killer is from based on what the comic says is he hates final girls because they take his mom away from him mm-hmm. which has absolutely nothing to do with Packs being abused. These right. two don't seem to be connected at all, but they're in the same comic book. Right. He could have just done the comic as Skyman killing Final Girls. Right. Yeah. I don't know why we made the note that, oh, the open mouth of the scared packs or the this symbolizes. It's like you didn't do anything with it, so why did you tell it to me? Yeah. Other exactly. than to like make me go, ugh. Yeah. Is it just simply a device make, making us hate Sky even more? Right. I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah. These are questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So now Lynette and Stephanie are on the road heading back to L.A. They're trying to kind of head off the issue. Because yeah. Julia tells them that Dr. Carol is taking them all to her retreat. Right. Sage fire and... She, Lena is hoping that they didn't get Sky, but she doesn't know, and nobody's answering their phones, right. and blah, blah, blah. Right. So they just decide to head to Danny's ranch. Right. So I think Stephanie... Stephanie looks it up. Looks it up. Because she used to... Danny used to foster... Or not foster, but um, help with... Injured horses. horses or something. She had a program for horses, mm-hmm. and she looked up that and found Danny's address that way. Right. So they get to the ranch, and they see that Danny is basically burning all of her stuff mm-hmm. out of grief at the loss of her wife. Right. And she's mad at Lynette about the book, and they fight, and Lynette's begging her, blah, blah, blah. And Danny's like, well, they're on their way to Camp Red Lake. And eventually they... The three of them head there. Right. So 
they're driving over. They're basically pulling in onto the road that the camp is at. Yeah. And Danny's like, gotta pee. Yeah. I'm going to pee before we get into this action. Right. Uh, you know what? That's smart. Sure. Before you know I'm about to clobber some killer people or be running or whatever, let me empty my bladder. Right. Remember, we're we're middle-aged or elderly at this point, depending <laughs> yeah. on which character we're talking about. So Right. So she pulls over. She gets out. She goes into the bushes to pee. And uh, all of a sudden, Stephanie just hits Lynette in the back of the head with a sledgehammer. What? And Lynette falls out of the truck onto the ground. I will admit, this surprised me. Uh, I also did not suspect Stephanie... You and I had suspicions, like, early on. You and I were like, it's Dr. Carol, it's uh, Skye, or Lynette's doing this herself right. and isn't unaware of it or yeah, something. Like, we was, had, those were our top three theories. Yeah, so. our, our top three was, it's not real. Uh-huh. It's it's not real slash it's Lynette. Mm-hmm. It's Dr. Carol or it's Skye. Or it's yeah. Dr. Carol and Skye. Yeah. So we were right. We, yeah, we were right. For that. But, yeah, Stephanie, I was surprised. I was, absolutely. Um, So, Danny comes out of the bushes. Stephanie, like, runs her over with the car. She, like, hits her with the car, too. goes, like, flying. I'm not trying to laugh. Just the way that it was, like, depicted in the the book. It just... It seemed outlandish. It seemed semi-comical. Like, yeah, like, outlandish. Like... Yeah. So, Danny, like, gets back up, and she's, like hand-to-hand combating with Stephanie and... With a shot... There's a shotgun there's a in shotgun between and, and Lynette's just laying on the ground, mm-hmm. playing possum. Yeah. And... It said that the truck rolled over her legs at one point. Like, it literally says, but she says she didn't feel it because the pain in her head was so hard. If that truck ran over her legs, they would be dust. Broken. At the very least. I would imagine. So... That part is unrealistic because, uh, you know, eventually she gets back up. Yeah. But, yeah, she there she's fighting with Danny and eventually I think Danny's, like, down or disappears or... Yeah, I think she, like, disappears and then Stephanie... Again or something. Yeah. yeah. Stephanie thinks Lynette's dead. Yeah. And she, she, like, spits on her open yeah. eye, which I was like, Ugh. Yeah. And so Stephanie, like, gets in the truck and heads to the camp. Right. And then Lynette gets up and... At first, we think... I mean, there's a chapter ending where it's like, okay, and I'm dying. Or I'm dead. I was like, oh, snap. Whose perspective are we switching (laughs) to now? From here on out, I liked the book. Like, you know... Yeah, I mean... For the most... I'm not saying it was... It was a a five. It was amazing after this. It just... It it became more enjoyable after this. This (laughs) is where the, the book is the most coherent. Yes. And this is, like, the last few chapters. Mm-hmm. So it's the most coherent here because you have a specific, like, goal for mm-hmm. this, for Lynette. Yeah. Her, and I guess it could be argued that she has a specific goal through the whole book, but that is not clear. Yeah. Absolutely not. But here, she knows who the perp is, she knows where everyone is, and where she needs to get to. Right. So it feels so much more coherent. Yeah. And and she's finally deciding to fight back. And she's so much more focused yeah. now. So she gets up. She gets to the camp. She finds Julia in a closet. And so they get out and they're on their way to the panic cabin. 
because Lynette knows about it. They find Danny. They find everyone else. They're all in the panic cabin. Yeah. And Lynette's like... That's kind of a reveal, too. It's like they get to a cabin. This person in black gear covered, you know, mm-hmm. shooting a gun is chasing after them. They get into the cabin. And it's like, this thing's made of wood. It's like, not for long. And then yeah. she, you know, pulls a lever and then all this metal... Yeah. Comes over the windows and it's like, oh, actually, there's a layer of metal between the wood. You know, Adrian mm-hmm. had this one made so that I would come. Honestly, I would think that all of the cabins would be made out of this. Right. As healed as Adrian would be, I would still think that she'd be like, I'm taking precautions. Yeah. I so I would think every cabin should be a panic cabin. Yeah. But the panic cabin was cool. Yeah. And so at this point, Lynette's like. Well, I need to be a decoy, so she, like, shimmies out the trap door mm-hmm. and runs out, and, you know, the killer follows her, and I don't know where Stephanie is at this point, because this point it's just Sky and tactical gear chasing her. Yeah, I can't remember where Stephanie is, I, actually. I don't, I don't know. But she's running, she gets through, like, a wellness barn and through all these rooms that are very heavily described for no reason, and yes, I thought that whole lab, that whole Maisie labyrinth cabin was, was overly like, complicated unnecessarily. How many doors are in this barn? <laughs> and I forgot the purpose of it. I was like, why are there so many? Why is this room designed this way? It goes from one to the next. And it, it I, yeah, yeah, I forgot it's, about that. Yeah, it it's, felt like it was David wild. Bowie was going to come out at some point. <laughs> So dance, magic, dance, you know, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So we finally get to what seems to be the end of the doors Mm -hmm. and it's just Lynette and sky and he's got her cornered and Mm -hmm. whatever. Oh yeah. At one point in the cabin, Heather makes some comment that she's gonna lay down and she needs quiet so she can go to sleep and do her thing. So then I'm like, oh, are we finally going to get the explanation of like her story and what she thinks happened Mm -hmm. or what, you know, no, she just makes that comment. They're all like, okay, you do you boo boo. And then, (laughs) and then Lynette, you know, goes out the trap door and then Heather shows up and like helps save her with, like, the back of a toilet and, like, hits it on Skye's head or whatever Mm -hmm. and incapacitates him. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, cool. And is that when (sighs) Stephanie shows up? Yeah, that's when Stephanie shows up. She's, like, got a gun to Heather's head. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, to, like, the back of her neck or whatever, the back of of her head. And she starts, like, talking and, like, saying all these things and... Her and Sky's whole thing was kind of like using guns because mm-hmm. none of the other monsters used guns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's this whole thing about blasting them with this gun. Yeah. Which I thought was weird. Yeah. Like they had this whole thing the whole whole time. It was just like, you know, knives and machetes and sledgehammers and you know all that stuff. Like, you no no final girl could survive it if a killer would have actually used a real weapon and it used a gun and just shot them all down and you're like it's this whole like yeah. stance they're taking which is a, such a weird one yeah um so yeah they're like talking to Stephanie and Stephanie is going on about how she met Sky and like online, online. or in a chat room or something yeah yeah and. Lynette is basically like, he groomed you. You're just another victim of a man. Mm-hmm. You're not in control. Yep. 
you're just a victim and you'll only be a footnote and he'll get all the glory of of all these murders yep and all that stuff yeah it kind of like makes stephanie like hesitate a little Mm -hmm. and that's when lynette like attacks and overpowers her right because she's like you should just kill sky now while you have yeah the chance because he's gonna kill you he's gonna yeah that's what he would do yeah and (laughs) she obviously doesn't and so they basically just like detain stephanie until the police come Mm -hmm. and take them and that's like the final showdown yeah and then we like flash forward to lynette getting out of the hospital i think and they go Mm -hmm. visit stephanie in prison yeah, like basically we just kind of catch up with everyone. But before we move on to that, do you want to talk about like what it it kind of made you think of that like altercation at the end or yeah, you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, well, it made me think of Scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fourth Scream. Yes. I wasn't sure which Scream it was, mm-hmm. but I the fourth one, obviously, yes. you know. Yeah. But the one with Emma Roberts, as soon as like this scene happened, I was like, oh, this is this is the scream with Emma Roberts yeah. because, you know, she's the victim for the whole film. And then mm-hmm. at the end we find out it's her and her male accomplice mm-hmm. and she does kill him. Yes. I was going to say the difference is that she didn't really have any love for her male accomplice. Right. While he thought that she did. Right. But Stephanie and Sky, or at least Stephanie has feelings, I believe, towards Sky. Yes. Who knows what Sky thinks because we don't. We don't know. We don't ever hear from him. No. He's beta- behind tactical gear. I don't think we get a word from him. Mm-mm. Not a peep. Yeah. Not a not a d- monologue of you know you bleeps took me it took my mom away from me and you know you were always more important to her so I'm taking you away from her you know yeah and yeah Stephanie wanted to be like the final final girl mm-hmm. and was gonna be they were gonna be famous and you know yeah. I don't know. But yeah. yes, I can see where where they would make that comparison because, yeah, that was that female character's ambition. She wanted to be the final girl yeah, and not she, Sydney. Right. She wanted to have her basically her 15 minutes of fame or she was probably hoping for a lot yeah. longer than that. But right. Because she was going to get away with it. That was the difference. Like yeah. Stephanie was clearly, clearly going to be. A perp. Yeah. She wasn't going to be <laughs> the victim. She was going to be a perpetrator. Whereas. The girl in Scream 4 almost got away with it. She straight so. up almost did. Um, and that was a much bigger, like, plot twist to me. I yes. Like, hmm. I was going to say, like, spoiler alert. Like, you know, eh. maybe, but it's yeah. been out for a while, so. I did suspect the male, her male classmate, though, in Scream 4. Mm-hmm. I did. I was like, is that the guy? The Culkin brother? You suspected yeah, him? I did. He surprised me, actually. The I, Honestly, I think... I think I'm going to say that one surprised me the most. I didn't see I didn't see either one of them coming. I didn't mm-hmm. know who was going to be the killer, but that one shocked me the most. Yeah. Truthfully. I I that one is one that a lot of people dog on. I freaking love that one. I thought it was fun. It's so good. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I did suspect the Culkin. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad calling him that. The Colkin. The Colkin. <laughs> yeah. It's not a sign of disrespect. Those Colkin brothers are good actors, okay? Yeah, they so. are. 
Um, but yeah, so we catch up with all of our people. Yeah. Danny's now in a wheelchair as well, and Julia's trying to like help her. Right. Adjust. So those those two are kind of bonding, but then also because Danny, when she was burning everything, was like, I I don't want to be alone. Like she was mm-hmm. gonna end her yeah. life. She was she was on uh, really close to harming herself at that yeah. point. So. But um, Lynette d- asks Danny if she can move in with her, mm-hmm. you know, because she, she wants to live her life differently. She doesn't want to live in a cage. Yeah. She doesn't want to be a plant in a tiny pot with its roots bound mm-hmm. because we find that Marilyn decided to, you know, take, she found Lynette's plant and she decided to plant it in the ground and it's flourished and grown and actually is like a pepper plant or something. Mm-hmm. And, and Marilyn makes the comment, you know, like it, it needed room. Right. Yeah. So Lynette wants to change her life. And so she goes to live with Danny on this farm and she finds the open space calming and peaceful mm-hmm. and but she still feels safe because if anyone's coming she can see them from a mile away and so her and Danny have companionship Julia and Danny have that bond of you know that shared experience experience kind of. and you know Julia's kind of helping Danny cope and mm-hmm. learn how to live her life this new way and and then Marilyn I don't know she just I think Lynette actually stayed with Marilyn for a time before she moved to the ranch. Yeah, that, that's probably very possible. And, uh, or, yeah, I think you're right. And uh, Marilyn's just warmer towards the girls, yeah. too, like, wanting to, I don't know, help them all or just has warmer feelings towards them. They don't know where Heather is. No, none of us know what yeah. could happen to Heather. Yeah, she just... Maybe her powers worked. I don't... Maybe. <laughs> I don't Maybe. Know. Yeah. But... Yeah. And so, and then yeah, and then they so they all have their final girl support group meeting at the jail with Stephanie. Yeah. Whether so. she wants it or not cuz she's still yeah, I'm assuming has hard feelings towards all of them. Yeah. But yeah. weirdly after having this group for 16 years, these women actually feel like a family. Mhm. Rather than bickering strangers who want nothing yeah. to do with each other. Right. So, that's basically the end. Yeah. We don't really know what happened to Dr. Carol. No. I think maybe she's mentioned, but it's it, I so think, brief, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's basically just that she's taking, stepping back from her profession or whatever. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of the of the book, so. Whoop. Whoop. Um, <laughs> before we get into our final thoughts, we already talked about the adaptation that HBO is going to be doing. Uh, IMDb says it's going to be produced by Charlize Theron. Okay. So they got a big name there. Yeah. I mean, she she's into the that dark stuff. She did uh, Monster, and then she did that one book adaptation. Um, is it Dark Places or something like that? Mm, I don't know. Uh, is it a Gillian Flynn book? I can't remember, but she did like a, you know, mystery murder thriller thing. And so that's interesting that she's producing. But again, like it didn't surprise me when you told me that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Ah. Uh, And our next novel is Two Towers. Yay. Yay. We're getting out of the 
the horror genre. We did two in a row. <laughs> oh, we did. I didn't even think about that. Well, these were supposed to be <laughs> October books, I think. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. our schedule kind of got pushed around because life and, and books. Books don't take an hour to read. Yeah, like you, they take Like a, a movie while. is three hours. Books you got to, like, consume and, yeah. and all that stuff. So, but... Yeah. This one ended up kind of being a happy accident that our main character was a Christmas-themed murder victim. True. So it worked out. It worked out perfectly. (laughs) But The Two Towers is definitely going to be a refreshing, nice turn from... A true palate cleanser. Yeah, from the the dark place we are stepping out. (laughs) Dark in subject matter and just uh, not as pleasant as, as hoped for. Yeah book yep so big excited for that yeah um all right so what are your final thoughts (laughs) okay uh i (laughs) when i typed this up like i said i was actually just like speak dictating (laughs) and this move this this book just i don't know put my brain into place i was just Mm -hmm. like this this is i don't know and when i i because i messaged you immediately after i finished the book i was kind of on like a excited high of like the last fourth of the book i was Mm -hmm. like that was a lot more exciting and more satisfying but the more i thought about it the more we talked about it like (laughs) my rating's definitely gone down because i think i was like maybe maybe it'd be the three or I don't know, you know, maybe a 3.5. I'm not sure, but it's definitely not. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely on par with Verity. I I would say there are things about this that I liked, and there were aspects of it that were enjoyable and fun for me, like sussing out who was based on what movie, especially since I do like um, some slasher films and, and stuff like that, and it's obviously not for the violence against women thing for me. It's for the victory of the women at the end, getting away mm-hmm. and overcoming their, <laughs> their attempted killers. Um, but yeah, I, in the, in the chapter titles were funny to me because like the sequels like go on forever. Like it was like the end and then it was like a new beginning. And, you know, so mm-hmm. just, it, there were certain parts of it that were clever in their reference, but the story as a whole just, it had too many holes. It, 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 I don't know. I, <laughs> I can read the, my nonsense because it's just, uh, it was kind of super funny to me. I was like, this writing thing just isn't working for me anymore. What are the rules? What are the stipulations? Who makes them? Can we just say, <laughs> I really hated it. I didn't like it. I liked it. I really liked it. Or I loved it. Numbers feel inadequate at this point, you know? Cause it's like on Goodreads, like I've read, like, would we say it, I think in the very beginning, it's like one is I didn't even finish it. Two is I hated it. Three, I liked it. Four, I really liked it. And five, I loved it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, there are things that I'm like, I would give that a one. But it's like, but if the rule is, oh, I didn't finish it. It's like, well, I finished it. So I guess I have to give it a two, you know, just. Yeah. So it's like at this point, I don't even want to go necessarily go. I will give a number. But like, yeah, I just I just want to say whether I hated something or I liked something. Yeah, I agree. It's but, tough. Yeah, but I would say this is on par with Verity for me. There were aspects of it that were readable and, like, made you want to keep reading. But at the same time, there was just too many plot holes. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a 2.5 for me. Uh, 
I feel like being a person who enjoys slasher movies, I had a lot higher hopes that this book um, was going to be more enjoyable, maybe even have like kind of a good humor to it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I enjoyed the parts that's like I could recognize the movies that they were referencing, but I had trouble relating to Lynn for most of the book. And I just think that, you know, the, the parts that were left vague they just left the book feeling left open and empty. And I feel bad saying this, but it felt lazy Mm -hmm. as if like the author didn't know how to describe something. So they just didn't. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I didn't get why Chrissy became what she became. That whole scene just felt like it didn't even fit in the book. Like it just Mm -hmm. felt really off. Um, I felt like the chapters and the information was all written in a really strange order. It could be that it was just Lynette's perspective that I didn't care for, but it feels more like it was the writing style. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like the story has potential to be a good story. It's just the structure just wasn't there mm-hmm. um, and it felt kind of messy. Um, I am a sucker for a good ending. So I did like how things wrapped up and how Lynette got closure for her guilt and in not like fighting back or saving her sister and, and, and all that. But I just, and I liked that everyone kind of grew together and because they finally, you know, wanted to help each other rather than just themselves, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, like I said, there was potential, for it to be better, but unfortunately it just didn't fully hit the mark for me. So yeah, there's, there's my <laughs> overly complicated <laughs> review. I just really wanted to like it. I, yeah, I, uh, am not the, like, I've seen most of the slashers. So I was able to pick up most of the references. Mm-hmm. I'm not like an aficionado on it or anything, but no, but yeah, you did a great job. Um, I just, I also had higher expectations for this. I expected it to be more camp, mm-hmm. which a weird thing is, is I saw, I watched a few TikTok reviews on this book today mm-hmm. and it's about half and half people not liking it, people liking it. And one girl described that she didn't like it because it was too silly and campy. And I was like, I got zero camp and zero silly outside of the chapter titles and the title of the book itself. I got zero camp. Maybe it was those random thoughts she thought were silly. Right. That we interpreted as Lynette's mental unwellness. Yes. (laughs) But I can't think of what else she would consider camp other than the fact that they use the word final girl a hundred times. Yeah. Which really just seems like bad writing and not, camp yeah yeah i was expecting it to be a lot more campy a lot more fun and not so um anxiety inducing yeah and not in the good horror slash thriller way there is a very specific feeling that like horror movies and books give you that is enjoyable fear this was not fear I was never afraid. None of this was horror. None of it was scary. It was just what I just felt like unsatisfied. So I don't, it's very hard to describe. Yeah. Like it made me want to like 
hunch my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, thinking about the feeling that the writing was giving me was just very, like, ooh. Yeah. Wh- why? Every part of it, especially the until the last, like, final showdown, the yeah. whole thing just made me, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. The, the whole vibe was just not it. Uh, I originally, when I first finished, I was like, I can probably give this a two, which is exactly what I did with Verity. And then thinking it through, talking it through, it's a one for mm-hmm. sure for me, which I also did with Verity like like two months ago, maybe three months ago, I switched my rating to yeah. a one yeah. because when you sit in the story for a while mm-hmm. and you think about it, I'm like, that is not... That's a one for sure. Yeah. And one for me cannot be DNF because I'm not going to DNF a book. Right. For sure I'm not. Right. So. And I don't feel like you can fairly rate something if you don't finish it. It's just like, it didn't interest me. No rating. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't in good conscience give something a one unless I didn't finish it because I did not enjoy it. But if it was just like, oh, I got kind of bored or eh, what just wasn't yeah. for me. Yeah. Then I wouldn't. Right. It. <laughs> right. So one for me has is is not I didn't finish in my brain. One for me is right. there is no option to give this zero. So the only option I have is to give this a one. It's like that unpleasant mm-hmm. for me. Um aside from it being generally unenjoyable, just as written, which is really the only reason you need to mm-hmm. not like a book is that it's not enjoyable. But technically it took way too long to even know that our POV character's name was Lynette. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't even know her name is Lynette for chapters. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, I was like, I think it was one of those um, article chapter header things that mm-hmm. it was naming all the people. And I was like, I think we're reading from Lynette's perspective. That's exactly what happened. And then, and then, yeah, and then we found out. But yeah, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, we don't even know who we're yeah. seeing through. Uh, so that was frustrating. And then, aside from just not even really knowing who you're following for a while, you don't know her story for hundreds of pages. And she's getting dogged on by the other people, and you don't understand why. Yeah, and, and it's just... There's no reason to not tell us. And you don't know what has led her to be so paranoid. She has so many different neuroses that are active constantly in her brain. And it not only do we not understand why, we have zero context for any of her behavior. Right. So we can't like Lynette. We can't relate to Lynette for more than half of this book. Mm Mm-hmm. And whenever it is, it's not like he's holding back her story to reveal at a specific time because it leads to something else. There's no, it, the impact of her story would have been no different if he would have moved it up. Right. The The letters were the like, that was the, oh, like, is, oh, yeah. oh, did she, did she have a relationship with him? Which is answered fairly quickly. Right. But whether you told us what happened to her earlier on or like right before the letters like he did, I think it would have been 
the effect more impactful actually yeah. if it, if we would have known what happened to Lynette earlier. Yeah, I agree. Rather than throwing it all at all at once at us, and then we're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, you can't. He it did not give us time to appreciate what happened to her and then digest the what the letters are implying mm-hmm. in relation to her story because we just got her story. Mm-hmm. So it just there's no reason to bury the lead like that. Mm-mm. It narratively a real bummer. I feel like in group when we went from person to person airing their BS grievances, we could have gone, hey, Heather, she's whining about this. Her story is la 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 la. Yeah. Marilyn's response was, duh. Marilyn's story is la 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 la. You know? Yeah. He could have set it up, because that's really, that first scene of group is the only scene of group we get until the end. Mm -hmm. He could have set it up the way that they do, like, AA. Yeah. Hi, my name's Maddie, and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. He could have set it up like that to be kitschy and play on that support group thing. Right. But he, for whatever reason, decided to bury the lead so hard that by the time we get to the lead, I'm so tired of Lynette that she's irredeemable at this point. Yeah. I'm not on her, I'm not on no one's side. Yeah. So it's just, that's crazy. Um, Aside from that, I... Obviously had the issues with how he represented the legal system so inaccurately when a smidgen of research would have cleared all of that up. Um, I didn't love how we what we talked about the representation of Adrian. Mm-hmm. Didn't love that. Thought that was a real miss yeah. on the only person of color in the entire book, killing them immediately. Right. And, but and then making. And then the making, comment. <laughs> making the comment and then using her death to catapult Lynette. Not good. And just the way that he writes women in general. Yeah. Not good. And it's interesting because I think he does make comments about some people interpreting slasher movies as being, you know, um, anti-women yeah. or women being oppressed by men. And yeah. so I thought that some of his comments were interesting that he was writing about the misrepresentation or mistreatment of women when he was a man writing from a woman's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought that was an interesting choice. (laughs) I agree because on one hand you, you you know, you, you want to embrace the idea that maybe he's trying, trying to understand Women, because it is true that women move through the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. Women are more likely to be attacked by people they know, know and people they don't know. Mm-hmm. You do see that female self-defense stuff is super hot right now. I can get online right now and buy a suitcase full of super cute self-defense items so that you can get out of a car, break a window, cut a seatbelt, all in like awesome, cool colors because it's a thing. Mm-hmm. But. You have to do it right. Yeah. You can't just be like, oh, I want to write this book about women. Right. And I'm not saying that men can't write women because there are men that I agree. do it well. I agree. It is. I'm not against a man writing from a right. female perspective. It's just this the way was they, a miss. None of these women have personalities outside of what happened to them at all. And they're all 
like a very specific stereotype. Like you have the addict, you have the rich girl, you have the lesbian, and then you have the paranoid crazy one, and then you have the person of color. And I think that was even mentioned now that you say that there's the the cheerleader, the, the, you know, they, mm-hmm. I think they mentioned the stereotypes or yeah. whatever somewhere in there, right. but I can't even remember. Which is interesting that he's calling out what he himself is doing. Yeah. Like you're aware that these things exist, but you're falling into the trap. Yeah. You're unable to think outside of that. Sure. If you want to start off making them the stereotypes, but then you have to subvert the stereotype in order to make the point that you think you're making. Yeah. You can't just write them as the stereotype and think that you're being progressive. Right. And you're I think just... it was Chrissy that was like saying, oh, well, this one's this and this one's this and da, da, da. like act, acting as if she was kind of part of the story and mm-hmm. then really having... No impact at all. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was just so, so strange. And the female relationships, that's not how women relate to each other. Mm -mm. Especially if they've been in group for 16 years. Yeah. I know that some families grow apart, but for them to be so desensitized to each other's feelings. They're so mean to each other. And so unaware of their own selves. Like, it's just like, Dr. Carol, you're doing a bad job, man. That's why I think it was so satisfying for me to see them in the end because then they were bonding and Mm -hmm. making relationships. And I was like, finally, this is what they should have been like in the beginning. Yeah. With each other. They've been each other's support for 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was just, it was just really poorly done. Yeah. Um, The premise, the idea. Yes could have been really strong agreed if you that's why i picked it up yeah i was like exactly yes this is my wheelhouse this is yes the promise is i'm sorry i made you read it (laughs) no no i love reading books that i hate i know (laughs) it's it makes my um my editor's mind work so much harder because once it doesn't take a long time within a book for me to feel like I don't like this mm-hmm. and then it kicks in yeah. and I'm looking for every single thing that is wrong with it. Yeah. But if a book, if there's a book that comes across that I super enjoy, I will ignore all of that, which is an element of good writing. Mm-hmm. If you can write a story that is compelling enough that your reader ignores little errors and little plot holes. Yeah. Success. Yeah. I mean... We've, I, we've dissected Harry Potter. Are are yeah. there like little funky little tiny tiny baby plot holes somewhere? They're, yeah. Sure. Guess who ignores them every single time? Me. Yeah. I can admit they're there. Yeah. But I ignore them because they don't bother me because right. the story itself I love. Right. The same with like Throne of Glass. I love the story. So I ignore all of the shit that's wrong. Right. Because it makes me feel the feels mm-hmm. that you want. Whenever you're reading a book, yeah. it's that high stakes, it that high emotion. Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect. It exactly. It has to touch has your to mind, you. touch your heart. It has to yeah, it elicit. Has to get you. Yeah, exactly. And if it doesn't, it's on the chopping block for literally every single thing. Right. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> I am admitting to my own bias. <laughs> <laughs> and I will continue to, to do that. So. Yeah. But everyone does. Yeah. 
everyone is going to ignore all the bad stuff about the things they love. That is just nature. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's all. Yeah. No questions asked. <laughs> it's bad. We could probably go on for much longer. We've already gone on way longer than I think we expect. <laughs> I agree. This, so, yeah, it always happens. Just uh, please rate and review us. And please, I hope that you would be much kinder to us than we were to this book. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, you feel how you feel. You feel how you feel, yeah. you know? <laughs> We, uh, we're, we're doing this all ourselves. So we need at least some props for that. Yeah. The writing, the reading, the recording, the editing, the publishing, the socials. We do it. All of it. Music, artwork. It's us. That's us. Can you imagine? Uh, I have someone else read it for me and then tell me (laughs) about it. And then I talk about it. Oh God. What a, that would be so shitty. Yeah. I could not. I would have to, like, punish myself. I would have to, like, get rid of all my books. And you know what? You don't deserve these. <laughs> you can't have these books anymore. Right. <laughs> revoked. Uh, <laughs> your, your book card is revoked. Yep. Well, until next time, please take care of your plants and read books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, bye-bye. Bye. Wait, where is it? Oh, there it is. Sometimes my cursor, like, disappears.